From the Dice Abide Live studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Hey, hey hello. Uh, thank you, Jay, and hello, everyone. I'm Adam, but you know me as the Dice Abide. I'm John, also known as Wise Kensai. And tonight, it's Adam and I solo. We're together. Just, just us. Again, we've done this for a couple episodes in a row now. I can stop making references to the same song over and over again. Indeed, we did it. I really did it recently. We did it. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing tonight, man? I am okay. I have, have not been this tired in a long time, but uh, it's okay. Graduate school prepared me for being exhausted all the time. <laughs> for having twins. <laughs> oh, jeez. Goodness. <laughs> Nothing could prepare you is the correct answer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, oh, man, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am having a lovely uh, Pearls of Simplicity Junmai Daiginjo. Ooh. Sake. Uh- I really like a good Junmai Daginjo. It's very nice. It's very lovely. I will probably finish it tonight if I'm not careful. Excellent. That's the correct amount to drink. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Um, so I am enjoying a, a lovely uh, bit of the Dalmore 12, which is Ooh, a... That's a good one. Yeah, it's one of, my, one of my favorites. Finished in sherry. Mm-hmm. Very nice little scotch for this evening. Well, well Cheers. 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 Oh, yeah. Very lovely. Why don't you kick it off with the news, John? All right. We got a light news week. news there is. (laughs) Uh, Just a reminder, we've got the Academy mission running right now. Uh, It's solo heavy infantry. I try try to make it very concrete. No characters. um, No more than 0.5 SWIC. Other than that, take any heavy infantry you want solo. That's the... That's the rule, and it's generally just trying to get people to like use the climbing plus orc with multi rifle or the orc boarding shotgun by itself as an attack piece. Just like try out some different stuff, you know. I mean, they're 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 decent. I think that like I had this idea. I think I was playing my um, piece was playing my dash shot, and I had like the fire team was eliminated, and I still had like the dude with Timbot and combi rifle, and it does stuff. Went out and killed a bunch of things. Like, oh, this is actually still a really solid piece. Yeah. And people tend to totally gloss over them. Mm-hmm. I mean, people use them as link filler, and then sometimes they end up in a position where, um, you know, you're 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 stuck using it like you were. Uh, but you can also yeah. just have a riot girl with combi rifle, and that might work out at killing a bear. They have yeah, and she has like a blitz in, right? I think she has a blitz in, yeah. And then that also has the benefit of you don't drag the rest of the riot girls over there if you want her to do something different, right? Or you can just throw one riot girl in a in a in a list with a bunch of Moiras. Also fine. That's right. Um, just a reminder: we're painting doctors and engineers this quarter. So, uh, end of June is the the last uh, the last bit of time you have, but you've got uh, you know a month and a half left. So go ahead and do that thing. Um, as far as that's the, as far as the rest of the news is concerned, uh, some good news about uh, the RPG Kickstarter from DreamPod Nine concluded, and they've reached their goal. So congratulations to them! Hooray! Oh, you're on mute. I say yeah. They I think that they kind of smashed their goal. Ended up hitting a hundred thousand, and mm-hmm. added some extra cool bonuses. I think a GM screen. There you go. All kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, go check when it out. I, when I have time to role play again someday, you know, in the next ten or twelve years. Right. Well, you can role play with your kids, and once they once they get old enough to play these kinds of games. Yeah, the, 
and care about the geopolitical intricacies of, of Terra. Terra Nova. Yeah. All right. I don't well, know. They're going to take social studies. They might really like it. Yeah. Right. It'll happen. Let's uh, let's talk about our toys. It's happy time. What do we have up first? Your stuff. Right. My stuff. So I have been uh, cranking away building uh, a couple models here and there that I had for heavy gear. Mm-hmm. To assemble, so I've got my second artillery cobra and flame cobra in the top left there. Sorry, top right. Um, which those are my two favorite favorite cobras. And so, uh, you know, what's better than one, two? Um, I put together a couple of the uh, the northern spec ops gears with heavy rifles, um, the the panthers, and then I finally got some black mambas. Of anything for myself, I've never had black mambas. Mm. Um, so I put together a pair of the medium grenade launcher ones of the profiles. That was the one that I kind of felt like I might actually run the most of uh, just because it's airdropping medium grenade, or medium grenade launchers, which is uncommon in itself. I, I found that grenade launchers in the midfield sound really good, but in practice are really weird. They are weird. They are weird. But it's one of those things like, when am I going to run this profile? Like if, it, if I want a ladder cannon, I'm going to run a diamond back. Mm-hmm. So the, the unique equipment was... The grenade launchers, the long thing, which is the linked medium rocket pack. Yeah. And the medium rotary laser. Sure. So I mean, those all those all are really good. It's just I haven't quite figured out what to do with the grenade launcher in the midfield. It feels it always feels bizarre because I think it's just the blast rule being odd. Yeah, it is a little bit of a weird unit. Um but it was fun to build at least. Yeah, I was able to use the uh, the grenade launcher hands that I had left over from the um the desert vipers mm-hmm. with Hold it nicely in two hands. Right. Yep. And then I built my uh, snub cannon assault mammoth. I love the mammoth. It's probably my favorite model in all of the North. Um, and so I wanted an excuse to make a second one. Uh, so I built a statically posed. Uh, it, it's or I reposed it, but static armament. So it, it's only ever going to be the assault mammoth. Mm-hmm. Um, by position his legs a little bit differently, so it's actually striding forward, uh, which is a little bit hard to tell in the picture. But mammoths have very short, stumpy, kind of dreadnaughty legs, mm-hmm. but with like giant extensions at the front and back, uh, which are support braces. Um, the design of the the model for the ends of the sub cannons looks a bit different than the original artwork, so I went ahead and drilled out the arms and rebuilt ones that are closer to the original artwork using some brass rod. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm nuts. Accurate. <laughs> and then down below, I have the Yuta box from the Cult of Yure, uh, which is a Bushido faction. Uh, and these are some badass, scary witch ladies. I'm excited to, to fight them with my ninjas and basically never let you hit me. Yeah. Yeah. Frank was telling me if I ever get a chance to possess any of your ninjas that I need to document it thoroughly and share it with him. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. He he would, <laughs> that Frank. Right. So what have you been building? Uh, I've been working on a lot of different things. So I put together some Arjuna because I'm playing Vanilla Aleph again. Um, right. This is actually my second box of Arjuna. Uh, the first one I sold to Jeremy, uh, and this oh. one was like mid conversion by you to swap the Spitfire for the smart, uh, the shock marksman rifle. That's um, right. Which I'm sort of like on the fence about now that I'm getting, like now that I've changed my play style a little bit. 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's nice to have the shock marksman for a lot of reasons. Shock is actually quite relevant these days. Um, sure. And, and Aleph will happily use the swig elsewhere. So I don't think it's a bad thing. And I can always proxy it if it, as a Spitfire if anybody, you know, if I need it. So, no one's going to care. Yeah, no one's I've always care. thought that their boarding shotgun looked like a Spitfire. Also true. Um, and the boarding shotgun, I think, is probably in a lot of situations um, the right call. Yeah. Um, but the Arjuna is a weird unit because its entire purpose, really, is to murder heavy infantry-like teams. That's all it does. Yeah. And if, for some reason, like, I, I took it, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but I took it against Morath's. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> what am I, I, right? I going to do with this? Nothing is the answer. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, then I... It's such a weird unit, right? Because they're all specialists. Yeah. They have mimetism. So they yeah. have like a lot of units that discourage... Intera- or they have rules that discourage interacting with the Arjuna itself. Right? So you almost want to always make sure you're delivering different attacks between mm-hmm. the two of them. Um and try to get them to dump the attack on the Karambots. But the Karambots still dodge on 13s. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All kinds of interesting things to try. Uh, he, they, they kind of occupy the same slot as Drakios, though, in yeah, vanilla, totally. which is difficult. But anyway, um, I also built the missing two Wuming profiles. So you see a multi-like grenade launcher, or I guess just regular grenade launcher now on the left, and yep. then the combi emitter on the right. Um, Wu Ming actually have like a slot for their gun on their backpack, so okay. I thought it'd be kind of cool. Like he's like reaching for it and pulling it off the his backpack, which is neat. Um, the guns are probably a little chunky for the sculpt, but it's fine. Once it'll be fine once it's painted. Uh, and then I yeah. put together an Arjuna, um, sorry, not an Asura proxy. I'm just gonna use um, Helen oh, to do it, perfect. and then I put together Hellboy, aka Dukash, uh, who is Gosh, man. a profile it's... is. That profile is pretty good. Uh, it's expensive as hell, but I, I think it's got some pretty fun tools. Uh, I'm looking forward to using it when I circle back to Combined eventually. Um, he, does, he does a lot. Uh, I'm Yeah, he does. I'm also hard at work building an entirely new table for RCR to make my RE admin table four tables. Um, and so you can hear, you see it's the um, Brutal Cities wall unit, and I sort of did some kit bashing and got a caution flammable liquid sign. Yeah, where did that come from? That came from um, uh, Ironheart Artisans. They make uh, like oh. the can terrain thing, like the fuel canister. Yeah. So yeah. this is like one potential configuration of the table, which is just like me laying it out like a base might be laid out. And it's very sure. like engineer, straight line. You know, everything looks correct on grid. Um, and it, I don't think this is a playable table. It looks kind of funky, first of all. Um, but... You know, it's just I just don't think it's playable. One thing that's interesting is that the Brutal City's walls allow you to destroy them. Like you can decharge them open, effectively, is what I'm going to say. Um, and so even though this looks like a completely blocked off uh, forward advance path, you can just blow up a wall and walk through, which is pretty, which is pretty neat. Um, and awesome. then, of course, I got a bunch of those um, was it McFarlane Toys Avatar ships. So this is what I ended up doing instead, which I think is probably okay. a little bit more playable. And I'm still tweaking it, but I'm sort of mixing in some of the versatile Comanche terrain um, and, and getting all the stuff done. So those like sort of gray primed MDF things on the left, those are actually the buildings without the cans. Um, yep. And so you can see here a completed building with the can 
Uh, I still need some. I need to do some highlighting and you know additional painting details and stuff. So it's not quite finished, but um, and I'm, I might be the first to say it. But yeah. nice can. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of it. I think it'll add some uh, nice story to the table, right? So the Ariadne table is like, I have, there's a crash plane, there's a gate table with like barbed wire and minefields. Then there'll be this table, which is just like sort of the the airbase, the beginnings of the airbase. Yeah, and then and then finally Mount Doom, where like the entrance to the Saint Cheyenne Mountain Complex is. That's super cool. Now we just need to complete it with your 20 feet of tables by doing the interior of the mountain complex. I know. Um, and yeah, so once, <laughs> once it's all painted up, it looks pretty nice next to all the other stuff. I just took a quick test thing. Um, and then I, you, you probably noticed that I picked up some uh, Buzz Lightyear toys if you were paying attention, paying attention to the back of those pictures. So I picked up some more. They're like super cheap. They're like ten bucks a piece on Amazon or something, and the scale is a little like bit off. I think they're like three dollars a piece right now on Amazon. I bought these for like yeah, I bought some like stupidly cheap. Yeah. It was it was very silly not to just buy a pile of them, so I did. Um, oh, perfect. Yeah. And they're they're actually pretty pretty in scale. Um, yeah, I mean they're, they're they're a little small, but I like it because it fits on this Warsenal helipad thing. Um, yeah. Because like the other stuff fit. But it was like, I'm, you know, like, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm fitting into these. Yeah, pants. I picked up um, two packs of their. They have like this set of like a, a buggy and a little transporter, mm-hmm. um, like a little moon rover and transporter, and they're like perfectly in scale for Infinity as well. But again, yeah. I think they were like three dollars a pack. Yeah, and I forget who I was talking to earlier today. Uh, so apologies, I just I have a memory like a sieve right, sieve right now because I just can't. I'm not sleeping. Um, but you know, they were saying, uh, I think it was Pete Setchel. So yeah, so you hit it with Tester's doll coat and then that basically like turns off the plasticky glare. Right. And then you can like do panel lining and other stuff and then seal it again with some matte varnish and that will just sort it out. Um, Um, I'll probably do that, uh, just to sort of make it look a little more infinity. Um, and that'll be fun. I want to change some of the, cause like I have the, uh, um, the, the Tunguskan Prowler ship um, that mm-hmm. I, that my character for the Dragama campaign was riding around. It was the the Crypto Winter, and I want to kind of want to make it and put it on the uh, on on the table or something. That'd be fun. But anyway, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Just a lot of terrain work. Um, I wish I was painting models, but painting terrain is also a very good use of my time. Given that we're gonna do a tournament soon. Yeah, I know. I have to get uh, at least the, the the base coat and some modulating on the I know. Uh, on the big tower. There's just so much nonsense happening. <laughs> I ordered t-shirts today. Hey! So, we're halfway there. Indeed. Um, well, cool. Uh, before we get on to our sponsorship, what do we have? Watch anything good? Read anything good? Listen to anything good? Yeah, so, I mean, if you like D&D, I find it very hard to believe that you have not heard of Dimension 20 run by the wonderful Brennan Lee Mulligan. Um, I am late to the Mice and Murder Party, which is one of the seasons of Dimension 20, I've just sort of, I've watched all of Fantasy High, um, Beyond Sleeping City, and now I'm just sort of like going through the other back catalog, the off-seasons, like the Mice and Murder and the Tiny Heist and stuff. Um, and Mice and Murder is a really good departure from what you would sort of um, see as like a normal D&D campaign where 
there's like a big bad and you have to fight all the minions and eventually you work your way up and on sort of, you, there might be like a, like a, like a plot to follow or a mystery to unravel, but you're like just sort of slogging through enemies and slinging spells and stuff. Mice and murder is straight up like uh, um, a dinner party murder mystery, like a whodunit caper. Oh, um, funny. And so I don't, I'm only a couple of episodes in, so no spoilers, but so far there's been zero combat. Um, huh. And usually the way Dimension 20 is structured is like plot episode, combat episode, plot episode, combat episode. And I'm like three episodes in, zero combat. There's a ton of rolling happening because there's a lot of like insight and perception and, and, and investigation checks being rolled. Um, but it's really fun. Uh, if you if you are in, into D&D and the uh, mystery, the, the murder mystery genre uh, and Brian yeah. Mulligan, because why wouldn't you be? Um, check it out. It's a good time. And I'll also know, like support we, them on dropout.tv. I think I mean, we got Lauren to like one murder mystery uh, yeah. dinner and it was awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, we were, we were sitting at the, at the table with the murderer. Oh dear. Okay. And like, there was no who done it. Like, Oh, you came here all alone. Your husband recently died. He came into some money and you're going to sit there and quietly talk to yourself. Like you did, you did it. Yeah. And if you didn't do it, I'm a real asshole for saying you're not acting. Right. Or that you're acting. <laughs> but well, very cool. It sounds like a lot of fun. Indeed. Oh well, cool. So what? Uh, what have you been playing? You got uh, more games than I did. I have played a bunch of different games. Um, let's see. So. I went. I well, I had a tournament last Saturday, so that was three games, and then I did some practicing um, of Biotech Four with a limited insertion list because uh, I, I feel I feel I needed some additional practice there. I didn't practice any Panic Room at all um, at 400 points, but it ended up being fine. So it was sort of like a my, it was Mind Takers. Um, oh right. Uh, like. Escalation tournaments. We did a 200 point uh, engineering deck, which was sort of like their custom mission. Um, and then we did uh, Biotech 4 at 300 and then Panic Room at 400, just like we're doing for RCR. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. So I played Bakunin. Um, my my uh, my engineering deck game was also against Bakunin. So I had two, three strong links. Um, Moderator Lieutenant, Rygirl Missile, Zoe's Boarding Shotgun, Moderator Spitfire, Moderator Paramedic, Pywell in the second group, and then a Sin Eater Marksmanship, because that's awesome at 200 points, Bran, sure. a Warcore, and a Chimera. Uh, my opponent had a full five-strong Moderator with Missile Launcher, sort of as an order battery, uh, Kusanagi, Cenobite, Orphan, uh, Harris, which is really strong, a Stempler, also had Uberfall, and then Triple Morlock. Um, the game didn't go too well for me because I got uh, I got Carmeret in the first turn, and then it wasn't so much that like it was an unwinnable position, and the Chimera did too much damage. I like dealt with the Chimera very easily. Like my Chimera just like impetuous forward, and then shot it in the ass with its combi rifle, and that was the end of mm-hmm. his Chimera. Um, but uh, I just like had some had some bad like whip roll stuff, and it just like I just it was just too many orders were gone, and I started with yeah. an order deficit in comparison to my opponent, and I just like it just couldn't. Like, it wasn't like a series of bad decisions that were happening. It was just like, well, I I have run out of resources. <laughs> yeah, it's like a cascading failure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, which isn't to say that my opponent didn't do a good job. He, uh, it was court. Yeah. He did a great job. 
Um, but it was it was very much like I I made a couple of like maybe minor mistakes and then um, and then yeah like those just it just sort of snowballed out of control. Uh, then I played um, it was a Winter Force at three hundred points. Oh. So I took the, I took the list that I took against you. Um, well, actually, this is slightly different than what I took against you. So this is a Kusanagi. This is this is like my favorite Bakunin list thus far. Uh, I <laughs> I really cannot recommend this enough. So it's the Kusanagi Lieutenant with a plus one Swick. Um, sure. We're a multi-sniper, a Cenobite heavy rocket launcher. So that is a Harris of angry ladies with mimetism and big guns. I'm um, sad that I ever encourage you to, to look again at the uh, Cenobite. Yeah, I know, right? And then double centimeter marksman, uh, marksmanship multi-sniper because the brand boarding shotgun, um, zero hacker, zero, the, both both types of hackers, right? So regular and killer. A prowler spitfire as like a turn three, just like surprise BS-12 spitfire. Um, yeah, su- surprise, more guns. Yeah, more guns. Uh, and then and then a chimera with one pupnik because that's enough. Um, and Brutal. this is just oppressive to deal with. Um, I mean, the, the double sin, like this, you and I thought sin eaters were fine before. Yeah. Just overlooked. And now they're just monsters. Well, I mean, before they were, they were fine. They were, um, they were fine. Well, so, so, so the, so the, the distinction here is they were, um, they were a, uh, a over, I don't, like, like a extreme. They were an extreme, right? Yeah. So like we prefer, um, like I, I would say that you and I, I think it's a safe statement to say that like we're we're both people who prefer like middle of the road toolbox units. So like a TR yeah. bot does basically what a Sinitor does and more. Sinitor does yeah, one sure. thing, which is shoot things in ARO and maybe participate in a in a coordinated order, right? Um, and so like that's all it does, and that that seems like not like it's, there's not enough toolbox there to attract us. The Sinitor marksmanship is just bonkers. Um, because if you think about it, it's a Druze mimetism minus three sniper, right? With plus mm-hmm. one with with plus one BS and four 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 dudes standing next to it. It's like a full full length BS thirteen core sniper, right? At the end of the day, in ARO, um, it loses six cents, sure, but yeah, but still, <laughs> yeah, it basically shoots everything on sixteen, so that doesn't have bismods, which is just like. That's a core-length so sniper. Cool. Uh, and it costs 35 points in one swick. I don't know why it costs it so cheap, but it is. Anyway, uh, my opponent took uh, um, uh, Uma Lieutenant with a bunch of Fusiliers, a Boig Missile Launcher with Infirmer and Agnes, a Pathfinder, and then the second group was uh, a Gunner, Fearbach, um, uh, sorry, a Gunner, two Fearbach, uh, sorry, bleh, a Gunner, to Karhu, one with a Fearbach, one with a uh, one with engineer multi rifle, and then and then an Evo bot. Um, what's interesting is that second group is actually five orders, um, because of uh, I guess six if you include the tech wear, but because of the right. Evo's bonus and biotech four. And I actually saw that in Panic Room as well, which is pretty interesting. Um, so that's a, I, that's a that's an interesting core. What what did that do during the game? It died. Okay. Um, so uh, I unfortunately tabled my opponent. Uh, oh. Basically, the Boig died to the Boig. So there's three guns in the list. There's the Fusilier multi sniper. There's the yeah. Boig missile launcher and the Karhu Fuhrerbach. I sure. killed the Fusilier missile and the Boig missile. Sorry, the Fusilier sniper and the Boig missile with the Sin Eater, just straight up dead. Um, 
And then the car who did manage to eat both Sin Eaters, like it is a burst for, you know, multi-arm roll monster, right? With mimetism and MSV. So that's like the right tool. Um, And I, of course, docked orders in the second pool to make it very hard for him to do this. Um, And he managed to do, he, he, like he managed to get all his guys out, right? With the exception of the mule bot. The only thing that was left in the zone was the mule bot. So that died. Um, But everything was out. Unfortunately, the Harrison group two was basically all he had left by the end of this because like um, my my first turn, like that that Harris we just discussed, um, the only thing they had to contend with was the Infirmer and Agnes. And it was like, well, okay, they're gone, right? Yeah. And then on the left side where um, Gunner and the two car who were, he parked right right on the other side of a wall from a zero. And so, like, my Zero just, like, rolled around the corner, planted a mine, and walked back around the corner. And then, like, I let him deal with it on his turn, and the mine went off, killed two of them, and that was it. Oh. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, it was it was a tough game for Matt, uh, but, you know, the, my list performed exactly as it was supposed to do. Uh, and I, uh, I, like, what a, what a weird list to succeed at Biotech for. But right. that uh, that double like he, having both well, senators dead was actually like very liberating. It's actually it's a great list to go second in biotech. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. You kidding me? Like yeah. you don't want to go first with that list in biotech. No, 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 no. You'd lose the game <laughs> if you go first. One hundred percent. This is definitely a uh, be my guest. Yeah, <laughs> you may do whatever you like. Uh, I played this against James. Um, a couple weeks before this, just to get more practice, and mm-hmm. uh, he couldn't because of the double sin eater. He could not get a Shang, full Shang Jesus link out of his deployment zone, um, and they all took one wound basically. Although Shang Jesus, like the HMG, just refused to die the entire time, which was awful. Um, and then I played uh, a game against um, assassins uh, at 400 points. So this is just this is just more rudeness. I took a full, pure core of reverends. So it's the same Kusanagi lieutenant, um, custodier with hacking device plus and pitcher because you know there might be a tag or some nonsense at 400. Mother Agatha, who I've has grown on me. I I am now firmly in the thumbs up. Really? Camp. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Why? I'll explain in a second. Uh, Moira multi sniper, okay. Cenobite, uh, and then I need to actually put another uh, link thing in here. So. Uh, there's, this, there's a Harrison here, which is a Taskmaster HRL, a Riot Girl boarding shotgun, and Wolfgang, which is just like good luck, like surviving that Alpha that's, Strike into the into the. That's a Harris. The, uh, that's a Harris, yeah. Like just slamming that's that's that a, into the into the, the panic room. Um, oh, and yeah. then because it fits at 400, <laughs> triple Sunita multi marksman, right? Uh, <laughs> so so, so, so uh, multi sniper with marksmanship, and then quadruple Morlock. Um, I went back and forth on whether or not I should, because um, with with quadruple Morlock you can absolutely fit a Chimera and a Morlock in there. Um, sure. But I was like, I don't know. I mean, just being able to like drip feed Morlocks in, powered by the Sin Eaters, is great. And because it's Panic Room, you just park the Sin Eaters on the on the antenna things, right? So they're a hundred percent safe. Me. I have I have a Sin Eater sniper rifle model for you. Oh, great! Wonderful. <laughs> Um, and then in group, and then what I, I faced, uh, I faced this blasphemy. Uh, okay. This is yeah. this is Tony Tony's list. So he's got double Asawira, 
Govad, and then two Takawar Muyibs in, in a corner. Oh, hell yeah. Because yeah, you have right? an AP Spitfire Asawira, a doctor and yep. an engineer. Yep. And then Muyibs because Muy- a Muyib Spitfire and HRL. Yep. Like just, just because all of the guns. Yep. And then, the, I mean, you have eight Swick to spend. He didn't even spend all his Swick. Uh, then you have a Harris of a Lasik with Viral Sniper, double Bokhtar with Viral Rifle and Shotgun, also yep. with Tack Aware, and then like a random Bereed, um, just to like killer hack stuff, I guess. Group two There's is... four Tack Aware models in this list. Uh-huh. And then group two is just like more awfulness. So he's got Pandora, uh, Camille, uh, Evo Hacker for the Extra Order, McMurrow, and Triple Mutts. Oh, look at that. So two shotgun mutts. Three shotgun mutts. With, with the change to uh, you know the 15 uh, model cap, I actually kind of like the shotgun mutt quite a bit. Yeah, the shotgun mutt is actually really scary because it rolls around the corner and it's like, well, you can choose from boarding shotgun, emirat, or, you know, sad. Or, yeah, it's either, yeah, either boarding shotgun or emirat, but yeah. that's still the same. That's that's effectively the same conversation you always have Yeah. when you come out of the corner of the mutt, right? Like, do I dodge the template or face-to-face the direct shot? Yeah, but it's the boarding shotgun jammer profile that's really interesting. Yeah, because now you have to choose between dodge, reset, and shoot. Yeah, it was actually a huge pain in the ass because he just sort of like parked it right outside of the, uh, uh, the panic room, and I had to like deal with it. Um, yeah, pretty pretty brutal. Um, yeah, spoiler alert: Wolfgang didn't take any wounds, uh, more or less the entire game, and that was that was it. Um, and yeah, the uh, the Reverend Core. Uh, is brutal. <laughs> even even at 400 points when you presumably have the tools to deal with it. Um, yeah. Let's see. And then I played a game today against James's Morats. Um, oh. Yeah, so he's playing Morats James now. James's Morats? He, he's okay. playing Morats now. Uh, and by playing Morats, I mean he had like a million proxies. Um, sure. That was fun. So he did a full Morati core. Kornak, Yaogat Sniper, Dartok, uh, another... Sniper, but this is the K1 Vanguard, more at paramedic, double M drone, which is illegal. Uh, so James is cheating. He, he did oh, right. That's a Shazlasi thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, a Q drone plasma, the drop suit with boarding shotgun. Uh, the group two is a Zerat, uh, KHD, Krakot, uh, Tyriok mine layer, which I love, and then uh, Osnet and two Gaki to like be orders. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's a good time. Uh, and then I played, I played vanilla Aleph. Uh, I'm sort of like tweaking this list still. Probably going to play something similar to this this weekend. Um, it's Alki Lieutenant with Spitfire, Penny, Eudoros, uh, Mark 1 Hacker, Mark 2 Sniper. Duh. I threw an Arjuna yep. in there because I'm determined to make this unit work. Triple Net Rod, and I motorized Bounty Hunter, which rolled an HMG. Group 2 is <laughs> Double FO Bot, Ida, uh, the Noctifer of Aleph, um, Liberto, and another motorized Bounty Hunter, which rolled ODD. So... That That's, was uh, you, you couldn't have asked for much better roles for those bounty hunters. I really couldn't have, and they came in clutch. They did a lot of work. Um, unfortunately, I had to deal with the uh, playing. Like part of the reason I I like playing so many different factions and different people is like they sort of expose gaps in in coverage, right? So um, I do not have a good way of dealing with the Yao Gat in this list, other than just like yoloing it, which is what I ended up doing sure. with Eudoros. Um, I just did like a bunch of bullshit dodging and got within 16 and, and hammered it home. Um, but like that was still pretty risky, right? Cause the, yeah. the Yao gets on two on twelves. Oh no, actually at that point he had run the rest of the link away. So he was on one on twelves and then I was on, um, 
I was on 16s. And it almost didn't go my way until we remembered that a 16 for me was a crit because I was tall enough to see his base. Oh, there um, you go. And like that, like, but it almost it almost didn't work out. Eudorus was already wounded, and I don't think we'd have survived another hit. Um, but like that was like a pretty big inflection point in the game there. Uh, but like I think I I think I have to find a way to slot Drakios just to deal with shit like that. I mean Drakios, I really like Drakios' profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very very he's- good. So you had Ada and you had Liberto. So you had two mine layers and Aleph. That's pretty unique. Yeah, I mean they're they're the cheapest ones in terms of both Swick and um and points. Yeah, uh, and it's for unmasking, so I feel like that's a good a good mix of oh, defensive okay. tools. Um, I was ask how you were liking Ida. Oh, I love her. She's great. Um, she rolled like something totally useless, like an explosive CCW or something like that. Um. Oh no no this this game she rolled an adhesive launcher but like that was also not okay. helpful because like she spent the whole game like on a roof that the Yao Gat was looking at I'm like I'm not standing Ida up <laughs> sure <laughs> like, right <laughs> she's just gonna be there and be a twenty point order and that's hundred percent okay sure yeah. sure that makes sense yeah so that was those are the games that um I played of Infinity but then we also played a game of Heavy Gear yeah it was a lot of fun super fun. Uh, this is probably the most fun game of Heavy Gear I've uh, I've played thus far because for many reasons. One, uh, I I uh, I built a Heavy Gear table finally, um, so I put together a bunch of uh, what's the name of this terrain company? Oh, um, like Outcast or something? Yes. Um, yeah. So they make like models. They they make a bunch of like railroad terrain stuff, um, and I bought this lovely mat. Uh, for like, which is like a nighttime city mat, I guess. Uh, and then I've just sort of been like desaturating all these colors. So I've been rattle canning these buildings and desaturating them with like just like spraying a bunch of like Panzer gray and doing like modulation on the end. I think it came out pretty good. I guess yeah. definitely not done. There's a lot more buildings that I need to build. Um, Outland models. Outland models. That's right. Yeah. Outlandmodels.com. The yeah. buildings are like three or four bucks a pop. Yeah. They're so cheap, right? So you think you look at yeah. this and be like, "What do you spend like a thousand dollars on this table?" Well, no, it's like fifty bucks. Um, yeah. So it's 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 pretty great. Uh, and then I have a bunch of TT Combat wooden buildings too. Once everything's sprayed like a kind of like you know monochrome brown or like gray, everything looks the same. So it's fine. Um, so the all laser cut the the buildings. The TT Combat ones you have are MDF, but yep. the outland model ones are all like laser cut yep. polystyrene. Yep. 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 They are a little delicate. I have snapped them, so you have to be careful when you put them together. Um, but yeah, so I guess we can talk about the lists really quickly. There's, yeah, a, very, there's a very similar list that I that I will talk about later today. Um, but basically, uh, I was playing um, uh, Strike, and you were playing Special Operations. We were playing Prisoner Transfer, and basically the idea is that the Strike Force is uh, moving a prisoner, uh, and the special operations guys are trying to like extract him. Um, yeah. And so I took, I, I was I was the strike player. Uh, so my strike group is the Shadow of Gamora, which is the um, extended content dude for Caprice and uh, BTIT. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's pretty fun. He's got linked uh, LATMs and a hack, uh, and like a huge line of useful things. Like he's got a big hammer brawl thing, um, double anakite. And then um, a recon team and a uh, automaton uh, clearance team, which is a new unit. Uh, and then group two, 
because Caprice can take. I'm playing Caprice, by the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, because Caprice can take Flail. I have a combat group full of Flail, led by a Sigma Raven, uh, the cheapest possible Raven, which I gave additional uh, actions to, so I could just hack things. That's literally it's a all it's for. With yeah. uh, with the advanced. Um... Uh, was it the ACS control system? Yeah, advanced control yeah. system. And so, literally, this is just to uh, haywire the Morgana's target on the same activation. So I just like haywire a bunch of stuff and then roll in and beat it to death with the Morgana flail. And then, uh, because the way prisoner transfer works is the prisoner starts in base contact with two of the SK model SK players uh, models, and then it has to break away. So you, I needed something with brawl to hold it in position. Uh, and it so happens that the Saru, which is a new Caprice unit, has Brawl. It also has a light railgun and linked anti-tank missiles. So I was like, yes, please. Brutal. I would I would like that for like 14 points. It's so affordable. It's got React Plus as well, so you can fire the railgun and shoot the ATMs in response to the recon teams <laughs> doing stuff. So I was like... It does everything. Yeah, I was like, why, why would I not? So uh, I have that. And then I packed three more uh, clearance teams in there. Um yeah, and then we have your list, which is, uh, which is. So yeah, I wanted to get back to playing North. North yep. is my my chosen faction of heavy gear. Um, I have all the Terra Nova, but North is my favorite. Um, I wanted to use a bit of the the new rules mm -hmm. from the uh, the companion we're talking about tonight. So I took a couple of lions. Um, this is a Northern Guard list. So my first group picks um, well funded from UMF. So I take two lions that and count them as SO because lines of the prospector's rule and then took the uh, precise on both the MPA and one and the heavy rotary cannon on the other, mm -hmm. then threw in an assault Jaguar with a precise plus snub, medium snub cannon Gross. that I absolutely love. Um, yep. And then threw the black cannon. There's the force leader so that I have an SO group. And I took a fire support group with my assault mammoth. Um, also well-funded using that to buy a resist fire because mm -hmm. uh, fire is really brutal against heavy armor and yep. saying zero fire damage on an armor 11 model is hilarious. Yep. Um, and then I upgraded both of its snub cannons. They're normally precise, but I felt like the point to get precise plus on them is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, and then a uh, armored hunter well-funded with ECCM standing next to it. So if you try to hack me, it goes onto the armor hunter, and I really don't care what happens to that thing. Yep. Uh, and then a wild ferret for an extra ECCM and a better combat group leader. Mm -hmm. um, and then my third group was a strike group, um, which I took rules from NLC for this. So I took the uh, the warrior monk rule mm -hmm. basically, and just threw warrior monk on a duelist nemesis jaguar. Yep. Which is an amazing unit. Um, for fourteen points. Yep. And then a uh, Command Jaguar uh, MP, and then a second Jaguar MP, yep. which give me additional melee support. They're anti-infantry, the frag cannons. They're hard to kill because they're piloting three up Agile with shields. Yeah, so it was it was pretty cool. So if you look at the table, um, basically... <laughs> how it started. This is how it started, right? And so you can see in the bottom left um, with the, with the um, green models down there... Uh, it's uh, that's where the uh, um, the prisoner was, and so Adam sort of piled a bunch of stuff in the midfield on that side of the table to just make a run for it. And then you can sort of see poking out on the center street, like that runs from DZ to DZ, is the mammoth sort of poking out barely, 
um, in yeah. the in the uh, the middle of the street there. Um, and so like I didn't really have that much presence on the right side. Adam, we both sort of like focused heavy on the left side. Um, and then basically what happened was the mammoth just kept walking forward. So it's, it walked forward, deleted a building, walked forward some <laughs> I more. I love that before and after. Deleted another building, walked forward some more, deleted another building. And then the, and then the two guys with <laughs> the prisoner are like, row, row. <laughs> like, we're in the open now. The building we were hiding behind is gone. Um, that was so thoroughly amusing. Yeah, it was pretty freaking great. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I definitely need to order some uh, some creators for my tables at home. Yeah, I need I need I can... to uh, I need to like figure out a way to make destroyed buildings or stuff. Uh, those are I think 40k creators. They were just like they're just lying around in the store. So I don't think they're so they're actually they're 40k creators, but Pegasus Games I think bought the mold mm. that GW used for these a million years ago. Yeah, and if you check them out, it's like 13 bucks for a pack of five. They're pretty good. The problem is they're they're just a little bit too big for some of the smaller buildings. Yeah, so I, I want to, like, for every building that I have, I want to get, like, a appropriately <laughs> no, sized size crater. Break. Yeah, because, I mean, like, sure. you're going to, you're going to, you play north, you're going to do this again to me. Um, yeah, I mean, just having a handful of, like, three-inch size more uh, yeah. uh, craters should do the trick. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun just pounding through all the terrain. Yeah. And this is, this is actually something really interesting. I was thinking about this today, where you like to play very keep away. Yes. Right. You like to play non-interactively, yeah. and something that Heavy Gear does that Infinity doesn't is that it lets me remove your options for doing that. Yes. <laughs> like I was like, I'm behind this building. I'm very safe. He doesn't have the movement to get around, and, he, and then like if he does, it'll be vi like super overextended, and then my Morgana Flail could like pounce on him with her vibro blades, and you're like, that right. building is gone now. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. Man. And then like, yeah, this shot right here, that first one where I deleted the building in front of the uh, the ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like so, so sad that I missed that second snub cannon shot. Oh, I know that was that was amazing for me. You're like, I snub cannon the building, and the shadow of Gamora is like caught with its pants down, like taking a crap behind the building or something. And it's like, oh no. And then you're like, here we go. Here's a precise snub cannon coming your way. Man, man, it's still only two dice, right? So I mean, yeah, like was... that was the time that you rolled like a one and a two, and I rolled like a six. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, and that was after it was it was haywired too. Yep, yep. That oh, was God. it. Definitely, it definitely got a little bit lucky right then. Yeah. But yeah, it the 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 deleting of terrain is actually an interesting uh, strategic part of the game that mm -hmm. we haven't really explored much until now. Yeah, it's super fun. And, yeah, and and like it's fun as hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm really happy that I made a. Uh, uh, an urban build, like you know, cityscape to to actually enjoy this. One thing that's really important, though, that we we sort of glossed over is that um, if you do not have, uh, what is it, the um, the sensor range rule? What is it called? Um, yeah, through, sensors. No, no, no. The the the, the through medium buildings. Oh yeah, we uh, we call it urban sensor interference. That's what it is. Okay, so. You're only allowed to draw a sensor lock through one piece of medium terrain, so you can't like go th do sensor lock through two buildings. So it forces. That's a, a yeah. Yeah, that's an extra rule that we have for the heavy gear blitz tournament system. Yeah, I think it's it really makes this table playable. Otherwise, you just sort of like park a sensors thirty six thing somewhere and then just like zap people with ECM, and it's it's no yeah. fun. 
So, yeah, that really helped make the make the the urban. I mean, it did it did what its job was, right? Which was to make the urban table a more interesting gaming experience. Yeah, and like there was there's really nothing I could do about that mammoth. <laughs> I killed literally <laughs> everything else you had on the table by either shooting it with railguns, anti tank missiles, or stabbing it in the ass with flails. But the mammoth yeah. just kept coming. <laughs> and I was like, go away. Stop. Stop right now. <laughs> and it just kept advancing, just like walking through all the buildings like they weren't there. Right. Love I love a mammoth. Yeah. That was that was so scary. <laughs> I was like, stop. So it was a lot of fun. I think we need to tweak the mission a bit more. Yeah. Uh, it, was good to, it was good to test it. It's one of the missions, I think, for the advanced operations one. It's the one that's kind of the most um the most different in terms of what the player goals are. Sure. So we just need to figure out, we need to basically need to figure out a way to make the strike player engage. Yes. And I think that'll, that'll kind of address it, Yeah. but a lot of fun. I mean, that's why we're testing it. So yeah. if you have an opportunity to try the HGPTS missions, missions, um, try, try the SO versus SK mission and let us know how it goes. Indeed. Well, that was a lot of fun. Okay, so now we can get to our Shiv game sponsorship. Shiv, Shiv. So uh, all you have to do to win is enter in the word that we're going to come up with off off the top of our heads. Here we are. Uh, and yeah, so Shiv Games, the best smelling game store in all of Kaiser, Oregon. Um, it's a rad shop. Jeff is starting to carry the heavy gear line. I think he started right now with the plastic starters uh, and is going to be moving his way up to the rest of the line um in a bit so yeah i think since we're talking about the heavy gear companion just type about companion in the chat and you'll have an opportunity to win i think jeff this time said that the winner will get a blister pack of their choice mm-hmm. there you go and the cool thing is he carries many games and lots of games have different size blister pack or different blister packs so bon appetit Sorry, John. Or sorry, Frank. Yeah, that's that's rough. Frank Frank's luck seems to turn like every time I play him on TTS or something. <laughs> I I think TTS is cursed. It knows you're not playing with real dice. Right. Exactly. It's kind of like playing uh, Blood Bowl on Fumble. Oh sure. <laughs> it it knows what you did. It knows what you're doing. Yeah. It's not gonna. Oh, it was in real life. Well, I have I have no excuse for you then. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> I I still think we should add that like spend the command token and get a reroll thing. For, sure. Like, whip rolls. It's not a bad idea. I yeah, like I mean it. it's it, the, there's already a thing for that with uh with like engineer rolls and stuff too. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, John, do you want to hit that button? I'm doing it. Here we go. All right, congratulations, annoying and annoying Pyromania. I'll go ahead and shoot you a message and get you in touch with uh, with Jeff over at Shiv Games. And of course, thank you everyone for listening and thank you, Shiv Games. Cool. So let's get over to our main feature. I've got a button for that thing. Without further delay, it's time for the main event. Excellent. So we are here tonight talking about the heavy gear companion john what is the heavy gear companion uh it's a collection of articles rules basically from from rooster and the rest of the development team um it just sort of extends the base 
uh, heavy gear blitz rules with stuff they're thinking about. Um, it's kind of like their. You can think of it like ITS season rules if you also play Infinity, right? They're like trying out new stuff, maybe rolling into heavy gear uh, 3.2. Uh, and then there's a, like all the new Caprice units that we were just talking about in the game that Adam and I played. Um, it's just like some new units and a couple of errata things for for existing units and rules. So it's just it's just an, uh, just to keep the game fresh, right? Keep the rules fresh. Make sure that um, there's a centralized place for for Rooster and the rest of the team to uh, like write stuff down and have it like a referenceable block of material. Effectively. Yeah, to me, it's kind of their. Um their uh their brain on paper yeah i mean what we we we, we're saying this like it's like not a very well put together document right it is absolutely beautiful right and it and and the the level of um thought and and the work have are are, that have gone into this are quite high um but you know we also don't want to sell it as like what's absolutely going to happen for 3.2 this is this is definitely uh an alpha beta, you know, collection of rules that they're they're entertaining, um, and sort of moving it into right. So just to be hundred percent clear, this is not three point two. Um, some of the things may not be balanced. Um, this is an opportunity for you if you think that it's super not balanced. You can let Rooster know on the DreamPod Nine forums, uh, which is I think his preferred method of contact and and uh, place yeah. of record. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a way to solicit feedback, yeah. right? Yeah, a structured um, way to solicit feedback is, uh, is a good go. way of putting it. Yeah, so uh, it's a beautiful PDF. You can get it on um, Drive Through RPG, right? So yeah, it might be a little bit tricky to find. So all you have to do is go into your library, yep, where you've already downloaded the free Heavy Gear Blitz rulebook, and in the Heavy Gear Blitz rulebook section, at the very bottom, there'll be the new PDF added to it, which is the companion doc. So it kind of keeps it organized. It's a companion doc for the PDF. Uh, or for the main rulebook, it's all in the same spot. Kind of yeah. like with all like the buildings you can download and print out and build, etc. Um, so, so actually, let's just do that really quick because it was I, I had to ask Adam how to do this. But you're basically going to go to um, you're looking for the Heavy Gear Blitz Tabletop Wargaming Third Edition Rules Version 3.1. That's what you want. So I'll say that again. So Heavy Gear Blitz Tabletop Wargaming Third Edition Rules Version 3.1, and then you know I've I've bought it but it's free so you don't actually need to um and then uh at the very bottom you'll see the uh, 3.1 companion may 10th 2023 update that's the one that we're referencing today so yeah there you go and you'll be good to go so what isn't this this isn't 3.2 yep right this isn't necessarily balanced um it is you know best guesses done with a bit of testing and the equations that Rooster already has set up mm-hmm. um, to solicit feedback and modify from there, right? So it's, but it's it's kind of a unique, you know, it's a unique uh, supplement, right? A lot of other game companies don't do this, but it's nice to have this kind of, um, it feels a lot more connected to the people writing the rules. Mm-hmm. Also, there's some league rules in here as well, uh, yep. which is actually really handy if you want to play a league. Um you know, it's, it's a nice way to grow your forces, uh, learn the game in a structured way, uh, or right. just like have a fun way to hang out with your friends over a couple of weeks um, on, on over several game nights. So, yeah, definitely give, it, uh, give the, the league rules a shot. Let Rooster know how they, how, they, uh, how they play for you. 
Yeah, so let's uh, let's start digging into this. There, yeah. Um, so at the very beginning, it starts with a new player section, and there's a, uh, a there are a few paragraphs in here that I kind of liked under the headline "Random Nature," um, where it basically uh, Rooster talks a bit about uh, kind of the random nature of miniature games, where it's like this isn't this isn't chess or go right, where the moves are very predefined in set with no randomness involved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can win by dice. And it's funny that that's something that, like, I feel like other games don't necessarily acknowledge. Like, you can absolutely get diced in a miniatures game. It happens when you play, you know, you play enough games, it's going to happen to you. Um, so it's kind of nice for people that might be new to miniature games to be able to set that expectation up front. Um, he also talks a bit about like the concept of meta, right? So like, what what is the meta? What is your meta? What is the meta you're playing with? The people online say one thing, but my group does another. Yeah. What does that mean, right? Um, so just kind of breaking down these these terms and concepts that somebody who might not be uh, much of a competitive miniatures gamer beforehand would really experience. Uh, then. In the new player section, he goes into talking about uh, playing your first games, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the, the thing I really like is actually his suggestions for your first games on that next page, which kind of is to simplify the game very much like Infinity Code 1. It's like, here's a bunch of rules to not use for now. Yep. Right? For your first few games, you know, only use the try to get in order, which is the reroll, right? Only have ECMs for ECM defense, don't perform port observations and airstrikes and special deployment. Like, just get the basics of the system down. Um, and it's kind of nice to have a list of the things to avoid at first, and you can add them in as you build up comfort with the game. I mean, what's what's also interesting is that, uh, you know, like Code 1, this is the rules designer directly addressing the player and giving you permission to, like, not use rules, right? Yeah, right. This is, this is something that you and I do all the time, like uh, as a result of the show, we've had to play. Um, I mean, like had to is a strong, strong word. But we've we've had the privilege of playing a bunch of different game systems. Um, and like, I think a great example is when we were playing Dystopian Wars. Right? We started yeah. off. We're like, I don't know what the hell this means. Hey, we'll just ignore it. It's probably fine. We're trying to figure out how to move the damn model around on the table. So like this super complicated order of operations thing, like we just will ignore it for now, right? And I think that's. Um, that's pretty reasonable and have the rules designer like explicitly tell you that uh, is, is maybe something you're not used to, especially if you come from like a video gaming background where you can't change the rules without modding it. So something to think about. Yeah, it, it is. It is when people are generally adverse to modifying the rules of the game yeah. or even playing with fewer of them yeah. for the sake of learning. And here he is being like, nope, do that. Mm-hmm. Airstrikes, airstrikes and forward observations are really complicated. Don't worry about those the first few games. Yeah. I mean, he even says so right, right here, the next paragraph is, this allows everybody to build the most used core rules into habit first, moving and shooting. Right? So yep. if, this is, if, if you're not used to minis games and this is your first minis game, like, first of all, good luck. <laughs> but second of all, uh, like, yeah, moving and shooting is slightly different for all different games. The cover mechanics will be different. Um, then you know, even even coming from this for like for seasons uh, seasoned war gamers, um, it's a different game. There's slightly different rules. 
uh, trimming them down to the, the most core rules like moving and shooting is already complex enough for your first game. And it's yeah. enough to let you know whether you like it or not, right? Like, because I don't have access to airstrikes, will I have an airstrike in every list that I I make? No, right? So, yeah. you know, it's not, it's not critical to the my enjoyment of the game is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so it's just a nice way to to set up building, you know, ramping up your your uh, experience. You can also like periodically just add those rules in as you play games. Yep. Right? Like, okay, cool. We're gonna try orders now. Boom. Let's add in orders. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can, you can reverse engineer this list and start checking things off. Yep. Um, also, he uh, gets into a little bit about demo games. Where instead of doing alternating activations of combat groups, just activate single model. You're just alternate activation on single models, right? So like it's really common in Infinity to do like the three v three, right? Yeah. So you have like three fusiliers versus three aguasils, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this kind of is replicating that. So yep. again, telling you to modify the rules as needed to play the game in a sane way for new players. So kind of nice. Just uh, yeah, here's stuff for new people. Yep. Now, if you're not new though, and you've played a handful of times, you might want to spice things up a bit. Uh, to use the phrasing from the book uh, in the spicy up the game section. So there's a bit of conversation here around table sizes and how the game is really designed for between four by four and four by six, but that doesn't mean you can't expand bigger than that. Um, just expect that that might affect uh, you know, affect some nuance of the gameplay, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a 4x4 four four table is going to have slightly more benefits towards things like frag cannons and melee, yep. right? Your short range stuff. Where a 4x6 table might give more benefit to longer range, especially advanced longer ranged weapons, yep. right? So it's not a... Um, the game doesn't break down one way or another, really for those sizes just expect that um you know your your slow units of the frag cannons are gonna have a hard time getting across the six foot table yes i think i think that's important right so like we designed heavy gear uh blitz tournament system to be played on a four by four table because you know we already have a lot of terrain for that table size <laughs> i'm sure it had a lot to do with it but also yeah. because like it, it it it's um it plays faster than a four by six frankly um, packing it, there's like the logistics of packing in a bunch of four by four tables instead of four by six tables into a tournament is easier. So like all these things help, um, but it makes it makes more short range things like snub cannons useful. Um, but what you'll find on a four by six because we have played a bunch of four by six games in the past when we were just sort of like trying to figure out what was right for us and what point value you wanted to play at. Um, what you end up seeing is like stuff that stops at 36 inches, right? Like you can't shoot past 36. That's it, right? This unit is incapable of affecting this half of the board. And there's units that can't shoot past 18 and 30, you know, 18 or 24, right? Yeah. And like, you can still get those in range pretty pretty easily on a four by four. But once you start talking six feet, it kind of changes the game a little bit. But there's an interesting thought about balance, right? Yeah. Because I know that like, I often complain that I don't think that like, the um, Ostrogoth is very good in Blitz, or especially the the Verder, mm-hmm. right? 
because but we're playing on a four by four table. So this yeah. gun that shoots ninety six inches, or you know however far the artillery gun reaches, yeah, um, with a minimum range, I think a minimum positive range of twenty four inches, yeah. right? That's a whole different beast when you're talking about a game a game table fifty percent bigger. Yeah, but I mean you you'll you'll see this. Uh, like basically, what it boils down to is the table size that you play on will very dramatically affect your evaluation of unit profiles. You see this yeah. in Infinity, you see this in Heavy Gear, you see this in any game that allows you to change the table size because the ranges will be different. The most the most common engagement scenarios will be different. Um, the terrain density, depending on how many buildings you own, right, or like blocks of terrain you own, yeah. will be different. Um, so I think fundamentally, uh, Rooster is to be lauded here for, for coming up with a game that works at all these different table sizes. And like he says in the document, right, do not hesitate. To, I'm just quoting verbatim now. Do not hesitate to use what you have. If you only have a three by five table, then don't sweat it, right? Yeah. Um, like the reason why we chose four by four for HTBTS or hug butts, as we like to call it, is that it's standardized, right? It was convenient. You could sit a bunch yeah. of them in the store. Yep. And, and frankly, you know, uh, if you want to build a tournament system around a game, which is the goal of age of hug butts, right? Yeah. You have to be standardized. So like if I travel for a tournament, like if I fly to, you know, visit the guys at board and brew in Houston and I want to play heavy gear, I know the rules that we're going to be playing are basically going to be the same as the rules we're playing here in Oregon. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like the tables might be different. The opponent play style might be different, but I, at least I'm not also fighting the rules. And like, I know generally where my light auto cannon is going to be effective on the table. Like I, I, these yeah. patterns will be built in and I can actually focus on playing my opponent as opposed to struggling with the rules. And if you suddenly show up at like a four by six tournament without knowing or preparing, it might be very difficult. Right. And it, it is interesting also just thinking about that. I know that, uh, I know that I've complained to, to rooster about various units and a lot of it comes down to table size, right? Table size yeah. preferences. Um, because again, like those long range artillery units, on a four by four table to me to to us, if you're playing nothing but four by four tables, um, they're not going to feel like they work, right? So kind of instead of, I feel like <clears throat> instead of balancing units so that everything is has equal footing on a four by four table, right? I think it is more balanced towards um, things being cost appropriate where that thing is optimal. Yes. Which is a really difficult problem. Yeah, right? it's a it's a, it's a weird problem, right? Because like part of me wants I like I want to throw the artillery missiles and the artillery guns on a four by four table, but like yeah. that's such a small engagement area that it doesn't even make sense. To, I mean, it hardly makes sense to put artillery in miniature games to begin with. Um, I mean, BattleTech does it right. But... Yeah, right. It's forty five sheets of paper that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but. Yeah, so it's it's just an interesting like thing like you have to kind of accept that yeah. units are units are balanced towards the towards their own optimization. Yeah, I think I think that's really the the most difficult. Um, like this this is why it's so hard to design for heavy gear, right? Because you have all these people who want different things from the game. Like you and I want a competitive board game to be played on a four by four table. Other people want to play, you know, a four hundred TV game. And they want to like simulate some like big battle from the lore and play like yeah. on a six by six table, and they're fine with it taking a whole weekend, right? Yeah. 
Um, and and you, Rooster has to cover both of those bases and everything in between, right? Right. So how do you come up with something reasonably effective for both yeah. of those? Yeah. And and uh, you know a lot of that is being very careful and and uh, deliberate about pricing things out, play testing, uh, getting getting feedback from all all you know different types of players. Um, and you know, I, I think, I think he, he himself admits, right. The big takeaway, this is verbatim again. The big takeaway is heavy gear is tuned to support competitive games within 100 to 150 TV on tables ranging from four by four to six by six. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, he also goes on to say, don't underestimate it. What manipulating simple things such as tables and terrain will do. Yeah. Yeah. I think he gives a, a good recommendation on there of 60% yeah. terrain coverage. Yep. Which I feel like is close to infinity terrain coverage. Mm -hmm. um, so that's at least a little bit nice. Like if you're looking for, you know, he actually gives like almost exactly the way we describe how yep. to set up an infinity table. Yep. Like you want a bit over half of the table covered in terrain. You want some open spaces. You want some tight spaces. You want to avoid funnels unless that funnel creates a problem that can be solved. Yes. I think that's really what it is, right? Like now we're talking about sort of uh, like big meta metagame sort of things sure. you want to create solvable problems like you have to be able to solve the problem by expending resources if the problem is unsolvable you create a negative play experience yeah right like fishbowls are nearly unsolvable right like yes you don't solve it you just stand on the opposite side of the fishbowl and shoot across yeah and i mean at that point you're just playing a dice game and you're like i could have just played a slots game on my phone at home on the toilet instead of being here right um, why am i here Right, exactly. So it, it it is kind of nice talking a bit you know, again about that that theory yep. of game design that goes. It's actually level design is really what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're getting into the uh, to the the game design terminologies, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I I think that yeah, it is it is a different way to approach balancing the game than we're used to from other games, um, and sometimes I feel like. I you know I might stamp my feet and be upset, but like you you have to design, you know, for the best you can, right? Yeah, and I mean we like like the context that you you have to cover multiple contexts. Anytime you have to context switch, is very expensive. Yeah, um, and you know we have a very particular view. We're very biased, um, and I I'm I'm confident in saying that like we have good and defensible opinions about the game. In the way we sure. enjoy playing it, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, like I would not be able to defend my thoughts regarding like building custom scenarios. Yeah, right. But like, like, like three hundred point game on a six by six table. I was like, I don't know. Maybe we should try that sometime. We haven't played on a six by four since we started. Like we did it a, a little bit when we started. I need, I need to build the big Ty Tyrell building before we can do that. But yeah, but there you go. Yeah, you've got a six by four mat. Got to use it. <laughs> um, so then, uh, so after talking a bit about Leo you know, table size and game size and kind of giving yeah. his his thoughts behind that, um, we go into some optional rules that have come up for for spicing up your game. And these, I have to admit, I want to steal a lot of them. Or it, I mean, didn't you come up with regimental duels? So my duel was different. This was actually an older regimental duel rule. Gotcha. Um, from, but from one of the old source books. Yeah, so this is, regimental duel here is literally just you and I both get a duelist and we put them on the table and beat up each other. Oh, so it's like weird heavy gear arena. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Got it. So it, it, I could see doing like a quick round robin tournament of this or something where you know, both players get 40 points to spend on a duel. So you, you set a point value in advance. I mean, this is like 100% in that like theory crafting corner, right? So if you, yeah, if you right? hang out in the main HGB Discord, there's like this group of players who loves making like 30 point duelists. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're <laughs> so it, it's for that. But yeah, that's uh, really cool. Right. That's, a, that's a fun game mode. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a really good thing. I think actually for conventions would be really fun. Sure. Up and playing go. Yeah, this is like the the biotech for one shot thing that we used to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the first one is casualties per turn, which is basically at the end of every turn, whoever has destroyed the most TV value of models during that turn gains a victory point. Right, and it's like that's actually a pretty stealable idea. Yeah, <laughs> um, I could definitely see that used in the HGBTS mission. Um, I mean, this is actually a really interesting game mode because it also it sort of address, directly addresses the problem that we had. Actually, this might be a solution to prisoner exchange. I know. I was thinking of the same thing earlier today when I was writing up these notes. Right, because because the problem is if you prisoner exchange for the SK player is very as, as it stands is very um, non interactive. This forces interaction. It forces me to extend myself and do damage. Yeah. I yeah, like it. I like it. I mean, you could even have this be four points that's contestable between both players and then have two additional points that are like the SO scores this way, the SK scores this way. Sure. Which could simply be being in possession of the prisoner or not. Right, right. Ooh. Okay. Um. I like this. We'll 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 mess we'll talk with this. More. We'll talk more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the second one is the King of the Hill, and King of the Hill is absolutely like trying to like chase a greased up pig. Yep, yep. Um, so you have a camel truck that starts in the middle of the table. Uh, you randomize at the beginning of every turn. You randomize one of the four table edges mm-hmm. for it to move towards. So one, two, three, or four. On a five, it does nothing, and on a six, it goes top speed, and you roll it again. So I like that one. Um, I could even see modifying that where instead of on a six, it goes top speed or on a five, it doesn't move. One of those, you can just have like the, the player that rolled the initiative picks the direction. Mm-hmm. Just for a little extra, just so it's not moving only in the cardinal directions. I don't know. Um, but again, I like the idea that there is a, a hold objective that you're battling over, right? Yeah. And that hold objective moves. And the cool thing is having it move at the end of the initiative step means that both players have just as much time to react to it, right? Which is something a little bit different because Heavy Gear has the blended activations um, as opposed to Infinity where you have full player turns. Um, Then we have Protect the Camels, which is a classic one. It was back in 3.0. I think it goes back to beta. Yep. uh, Which is basically replace the hold markers with camel trucks. And those camel trucks are actual camel trucks in your army. They form their own combat group, um, and instead of holding them, you need to keep them alive. And for everyone that's alive at the end of the game, you score a point. So pretty straightforward. Again, I think that this is a mission that we could use for some of the escort, something we could modify for one of the escort missions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, regimental duels, we talked about it a bit. Yep. It is the, you know, you, you agree on a point value, you build a duelist up to that point value, fight, right? Um, I like the idea that it could be tiered, right? Or best three of five, because it'll go really quick. Um, 
And actually, the way that they score it, this scoring is something that I might want to steal, which is you get one victory point for every point of damage dealt to the duelist. Mm. And, you know, as long as you're not using um, vehicles and striders as duelists, all gears are six hit points. So you've got a flat six right there to work from. Yep. Like, that's an easy number to work with. I have uh, bad flashback saluting and sabotaging, but sure. I know, right? <laughs> um, and then uh, you talk about a bit more about using uh, more or fewer objectives. You know, that might affect the game one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I mean, honestly, this is really cool. It's a lot of ways to play the game uh, in a narrative, but also a reasonably balanced way. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, and then the, the one objective that he put on there that I, I think is interesting at first, I, I hated it. And then the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, mm. which is the free for all objectives. Mm. Okay. So basically both players start with one of every instance of every objective out of the book. Okay. Right. So there's 10 objectives in the book. Yep. And you're playing all of them at once. So you have to issue two flags here, guys. You have to pick two oh, targets. This is a highly classified of heavy gear. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. And then I thought you could modify that to do highly classified. Sure. Where, like you're randomly generating four of them or five of them uh, at the beginning of the game. But, you know, most objectives are all accomplishable regardless of your role. Which is really cool, actually. That's one yeah. of the things that uh, is, I think both a good and a bad thing about infinity classified objectives. Like if you don't have a doctor, you can't get experimental drug or yeah, paramedic, right. right? Like, so that's a really easy way to deal with your opponent, right? You're like, well, I can lock them you out of this the objective by go murdering all their doctors and paramedics. And okay. Now they can never get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way that the whole heavy gear thing with like, your your role determines which missions you have access to, yep, and yep. units of that role tend to be better at those missions. Yep. Um, without being fully dependent on models of that role to be to do those missions. So, yeah, it seems like a bit of an insane mode to do it, but I think that there's a, a kernel of something actually like from a competitive perspective that might be really fun there. Like we're talking about. Like- yeah, I mean, I think this is pretty interesting. I think one of the fun things about I mean, he says it right here, right? This leads to a crazy forest construction comp, uh, process. Yeah. If you need to cover everything, it gets pretty hard. Uh, and so like, anybody who's played Highly Classified or is uh, coming to Rose City Raid to play Highly Classified at 150 points, sorry, not sorry. Uh, God, not sorry at all. That's so hard to build for. I'm doing Honestly, it- I, I enjoyed it. Like, in, in, in the game I played, right, with 150 yeah. points of Vanilla Ariadna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed coming, like, figuring out a list for that. Oh my god! I, I yeah, I, I'm excited to finish writing up my 150 point game versus Isaac, where I played Toha versus NCA. That was a crazy game. Um, so quick aside, Tony Cho has actually uh, asked me to play Tack because we were arguing about how um, dog warriors are not as cool as Cameronians. Right for the points, and I was like, "But there's three wounds," and he was like, 
Ah, and I was like, an extra wound is an enormous benefit. An extra wound is huge. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I said. I, I used those exact words. Um, but he was like, well, you should put your money where your mouth is. And I was like, all right, fine. I guess I'm playing hey, tag. I was like, I was like, you've said the magic words. I'm going to do it. So he, uh, he also wanted me to not take, because we then we were arguing about the spets in this HMG. And I was like, that is the most boring unit in all of Infinity. <laughs> like, it's not bad. You're not bad for taking it. It just bores the daylights out of me. Yeah. Right? No, um, oh, really? It's, you took a, you took a specialized HMG? Whoa. Uh, yeah, it's right? Like, I've never taken one. And I, own, I own one, and I, I fully expect to have it never see play. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I made two because yeah, I was I, like, the double the double specialized list is where it's at. And then I was like, eh. Yeah. I mean... I'll paint it because it's a cool model, but I yeah, intend to go to my grave never playing it. We'll see how well I do. <laughs> However, so he he's he's basically challenged me to play tack with dog warriors, and he tacked on a further requirement of being a burst three only. <laughs> I was Sorry, like, I, I, thought you were, I, I thought you were going to give John a challenge. I was like, I already did this. I already did this. I've done this already. Uh, yeah, that's four hundred points even. Uh, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. So, uh, well, well, I'm probably going to play that at, at Shiv, uh, at the next Shiv tournament. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm excited. Uh, but the, the other problem is now I have to come up with another faction as well. Because I showed up to the Mind Taker tournament with only one faction, like a chump. And so I was going to have to borrow uh, Pete's, Pete's uh, HB to play a second game. Because we had oh, not right, remember right. until Tony showed up late, fashionably late. As, there you go. Uh, but anyway, sorry. Sorry for the digression. I, I just thought it was ent- entertaining. Um, <laughs> no worries. Um, and yes, but like all of those are like cool, like easy modifications mm-hmm. for just the book missions at the gate. Yep. And like I said, a lot of these I want to borrow uh, for HGBTS updates. Um, okay, so the dilemma. This is a fun. It actually reminds me a lot of. Um, there was this is, a, this is pretty funny. <laughs> Warning, yeah. This is not fair and balanced. Right. Um, Oh geez, what was it called? Blood. There was a um, an expansion of Warhammer Fantasy, seventh edition. I'm blanking on the name. I have it up there. It's basically how to deal with team, like two v two. And it has this whole treason element involved. Um, and this kind of does it in a, in a more simplified way. Basically, at the beginning of every turn, starting on turn two, one random player from each side has to choose between. Altruism and betrayal. This is like the prisoner's dilemma, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if they both choose altruism, which means that they are pledging support to their teammate, then something happens. If they both choose betrayal, then something else happens. Um, so like if one chooses, what happens is the orbital strikes. Yeah. So if they both choose uh, altruism, then... Uh, one orbital strike for both of the players making the decision, so they each get to do one. But if they both choose betrayal, um, basically it's, it causes like teams to switch mid-game and to orbital strike each other based on betraying each other or not. Yeah, so orbital strikes are pretty rough. They're basically like they're basically like uh, airstrikes, right? So they're damaging yeah. AP2. So. AE3, demo 2. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's you don't necessarily want to get hit by it. It's yep. a mean hit. Um, but yeah, so just kind of a fun team, uh, a team format. 
But I just like the idea that sides switch during the game. Yes. And I'm going to go nuts trying to remember. Um, is, oh, is it something in Treachery? Treachery and Triumph? Triumph and tre- Treachery? That something like familiar, that. But I don't... Yeah, that was, that was a long time ago, and I'm digging deep. Um, yeah, so another fun little uh, modification to um, the rules. Then we start getting into additional fun stuff for rules. So stuff like weather, which used to be, that was an old beta thing, brought back. Basically, these all modify the first game round. It'd be fun to add some of these to some of the scenarios. Um, but so, like, if there's a sandstorm every, on turn one, everyone's gunnery is reduced by one. Um, white sands put corrosive markers on people. Mm-hmm. The squall is actually one that I think is the most interesting and might be also a good way to represent night fight. Yeah. Which is reducing sensor or reducing line of sight to sensor range on the first turn. I really like that, actually. That's a fun, that's a fun little thing. Yeah, let's absolutely steal that for one of the SO missions. Yes. That should be the SO mirror match, actually. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everything fucking has stealth. Oh, and you could roll for Dawn. Done. Okay, well, again, we'll note it for later. Um, Thunderstorms, which can uh, reduce electronic warfare readings, which is kind of rad, right? Like, interfering Mm -hmm. your your communications. the EW storm, which can throw out haywire markers mm-hmm. on things turn one, uh, sounds particularly scary. And then extreme temperatures, which reduces piloting on turn one. So it's basically all turn one effects. Um, yeah, I like that. So it's not just something like oppressive and you have to deal with the whole game. It just, I mean, Heavy Gear really isn't a very Alpha Strike heavy game, I feel like. Right. Because you can't kill anything in one, like, it's so hard to overkill something. It's it's hard to overkill something. You can't double. You can't like spend more orders to move farther, right? Yeah, like you're just sort of stuck there. After, you can double move, but yeah. So it's 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 a lot slower and and more um, momentum based, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that. This is sort of like a fun little thing to to uh, to fool around with on the first turn. Yep. And then right next to it, they talk about randomized deployment, mm-hmm. which. Um, so actually what's funny is that a lot of these rules were rules when we started uh, helping them in the 3.0 beta, yep. right? So the randomized deployment was basically, do you play narrow edge or long edge? So if you're playing a six by four, you could be playing left or right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then quarter deployment, this version of the quarter deployment is dividing the table into ninths. Yep. And then picking um, opposite corners. Yep. Um, it's the same as the... Corner plus... Yeah, we use it in one of our missions. Encirclement. Yep. Um, so you pick you pick a corner and you pick one adjoining uh, ninth of the table, and then your opponent gets the ones that mirror that. Yeah, it's a cool it's a cool uh, mechanic. Yeah, um, divided forces sounds frightening, and I feel like we should put it in at least one mission just because. But basically, it's the same thing. You divide it into the three. You divide it into the the, not, the three by three grid. Yep. Um, and then you get two opposite corners, and your opponent gets the other two corners. Mm. So it's a total clusterfuck. Fan had a really fun uh, a mission that we played that was similar. Oh, Eye of the Storm? Yeah, that was really cool. I enjoyed that one a lot. It ends up like you're like right next to your opponent, and then he actually played Caprice and took a bunch of, added a bunch of brawl with Vet to all of his stupid mounts and just like ran up and like spike gunned me to death. Right, right. Um, 
Random game length. So his suggestion for random game length, again, is something from that we had in the old uh, beta rules, which is rolling before the game starts. Yes. And I think that's interesting, but I kind of remember, do you remember back in 40K when you would roll, like starting on turn five? Oh, yeah, like the game's over now. Yeah. That might be something interesting to try. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That that could be really frustrating, right? Because if you're at a tournament and then, I mean, I've had this experience, right? I'm at a tournament, right. I'm playing, my opponent's newer, right? Maybe I'm tired, like whatever it is, we're playing slow. Doesn't matter what. Yeah. And then, it's just going to turn seven. You know, and then it's just like, well, then, I mean, not, not even just turn seven, but then it's like, I, I can accomplish all my objectives. I have one more turn, but the TO just called time and we're at the top of two, right? In a three um, round, in a three round fair, game, right? Fair. And then it's just like, well, I would have won this if I had another turn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I feel very confident in my ability to execute. My opponent is overextended. I can win this. Right. But yeah. I don't get a, I don't get a second turn or a third turn or whatever it is. Um, and this, I feel like this would rob me. I think it's absolutely fine if you're all at the beginning and it's open knowledge in a competitive mm-hmm. format, but makes sense. like, I mean, I, I guess, I guess there's, there's, uh, there's two sort of camps of players. I would, I would sort of say here, one is somebody who's playing competitively wants to win and like wants to have complete knowledge and like no surprises. And they like the challenge and excitement for them is, um, duking it out with their problem, like their opponent's problem solving ability. And like, that's where they get their jollies. Right. But like, there's another type of player who's like, that was awesome. And like, I barely won it because, you know, like I rolled the thing and then like, I killed this one unit and then like that shifted the thing and then the game ended and that's how I won. Right. And that's exciting and fun for some people. It's not for me, but I totally get it. If that's like your jam and this would be a way to sort of tickle that itch. Um, Scratch that itch. So I, I, you know, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, one other way to, to look at this though that's interesting is that Infinity is really designed for a three-round game. Mm. Right? Sure. And I think that if you're playing a, a larger game of Heavy Gear on a larger table, you might need more turns to get across the table. A six- then you should just say more turns, right? It shouldn't be Yeah, random. exactly. Just just play five or six turn games. Yeah. Because like getting across a six foot table to deny hold. That's hard. It, it's hard enough to do it on a four by four. Yeah. You know? Like getting across a six foot table, you need to have bikes. Cover bikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um randomized forces, this uh I think requires quite a bit of work unless somebody makes a online tool. Yeah. Um which is basically building random army, you know, building five army lists on randomly picking one. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, the randomized objectives, I, you know, we talked about highly classified. Like, I actually think that this could be more competitive than he gives her credit for. I think so uh, too. Because, yeah, the missions, n- none of the missions require highly specialized units the way they yeah. do in Infinity. Um, and as long as you know that all of them are potentially in play, you'll be thinking about how do I kill commanders, right? Yes, it is. It is very hard to lock somebody out of an objective in heavy gear, uh, unless you, the exception being wipe them out, right? Wipe them out is hard, but also like hold is hard to lock them out of. 
But you can yeah. do it if you pay very close attention to movement ranges and remaining turns. Yeah. Right? Like you yeah. can't stop me from moving. You can maybe kill me on the way there, right? Yeah. Um, but it's pretty hard. You you can play this pretty non-interactively if you're not careful. And so well, I, think, I think yeah. Go ahead. I think instead of each player rolling their own objectives, I think you'd have to roll. Both players have hold. Both players have. Yeah, I mean that's what the there's two options here: yeah. random mirrored and random random individual. So you could do one yeah. or the other. Random mirrored is good. Um, I do think there needs to be something that's mutually exclusive in terms of. Um, in terms of points, like highly classified solve this problem by saying like, oh, I have more classifieds than you. I get three points or whatever it is. Um, so there's some sure. mutual ex exclusivity there to sort of like push it in one, one way or the other. Because that was sort of the issue that we had. That's why heavy gear, that's why hug butts exists, right? Yeah. Is because when we played just book missions, it ended up being kind of non-interactive. Like me achieving yeah. assassinate um, and you achieving like, pave the way or clear the way or whatever it's called now. Right. None of it really affected each other. Yeah. I mean, like you make it harder for me if you assassinate my combat group leader. Right. But like, I could still do it. Um, but Fair. in, in like a hug butts mission, like if I do something, uh, you can't, right. That's mutually exclusive. Yeah. And I yeah. think that will push, push the interactivity, uh, give you something to fight over, but you need a balance of both, the non-interactive and interactive objectives to allow you to be like, well, I'm losing the game, but I can just like, you know, uh, fall on my sword and do this one thing that like keeps me in the running for the tournament, for example. Yeah, you could, I was just thinking like an easy way to do it. Like if each player had, if there were four generated, right, which puts you up to eight points because yep. each one has a potential. Yep. Yep. And then give a, give that two point bonus to the player that, that, um, that at least scores one point in the most unique different ones, right? Oh. So if you scored if you scored four point, if you only scored one point of all four of them, right? Mm -hmm. That but you that you accomplished all four of them. You That's accomplished at least right, but the opponent like doubled three of them, right? Mm -hmm. That's gonna give them six. You would have only scored four, but because you got at least one of every category, that puts you up an extra two. Right, so that would push that up to a tie, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, that might be that might be a fun way to do it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, again, like I read this book and I'm like, there's all kinds of things that I think would be fun to integrate into the tournament system. And plus, since they're in this book, um, you know, it's it's common. It should be common knowledge, which is also part of the goal, right? It's accessible knowledge, at least. Um, so. Uh, yeah, then in then we go into a really large section on weapon swapping. So this starts off with a warning basically saying, like, do this with friends. Um, it isn't yeah. something that is meant for highly competitive play. But, you know, it is the, like, why can't this model pick up whatever, you know, have whatever gun that it can fit in its hands, mm -hmm. right? You know, why can't they... Why can't my blitz? You know, the exact question here is why can't my blitzjager carry a medium auto cannon instead of a light auto cannon? Which is extra funny because the blitzjager originally used to have a medium auto cannon, right? So like, why can't why can't it? And it's like mechanically, there's no reason why gear couldn't carry both. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is sure. Go ahead and 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 figure it out with your friends. So there's a lot of cool things you can do also do in here, which is like create more customized characters, um, 
build your own versions of old variants of things like that old Blitzjager, um, etc. Uh, but he also gives good reasons not to do it. Yep. <laughs> um, which is it can you can really break it, and it requires quite a bit of restraint to do it in a way that's not yeah uh, butcher not going to butcher you know the game balance. I mean, honestly, there's a group of like so I, I've received criticism criticism on the internet surprise about like you know playing um, playing imba lists or whatever that aren't fluffy, uh, and you know this is absolutely uh, I, in my view something that. You know, a, 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 a fluff-oriented like Grognard who really enjoys the lore and wants to explore, you know, character development. Maybe maybe they're playing the this game as part of an RPG session um, or whatever it is, right? Like, fundamentally, at the end of the day, this is, uh, like, DreamPod 9 is selling a, a set of rules to serve as guidelines for you, right? Yeah. And then also a bunch of models, which you can customize to your heart's content. Right, like this is yeah. what you love about like every every time we we do one of these shows, right? You typically have at least four new heavy gear models that you've customized in some way. Like right. I don't know why you do that. That sounds like a crazy amount of work to me. I'd rather just buy the thing, build the model that I know I will use, and then stop. Right, but like sure. this is part of the enjoyment for you, right? Yeah, I really I yeah. really enjoy building the little mecha. Exactly. And like, I just because I don't get it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you like aren't, aren't engaged in the game in the same way that I want to engage it with. Right. Like f at the end of the day, we're we're here to play with little plastic and metal dudes. Right. Um, so if you want to kitbash and play something, you know, weird and off the wall, there are rules that exist right here for you. Um, and yeah, you know, as long as your opponent is cool with it, do it. Yeah, if you go to the next page, there's some graphs and charts. It's yeah. really more of um, guidelines and how, guidelines and how to do it in a way that seems somewhat sensible. Yeah. Right. So like, it's generally like one column shift. Yep. Is fairly sensible. Um, right, especially the green column shifts. The the, the yellow column shifts are be a bit more challenging to to do versus the red column shifts are going to be or orange and red are going to be unlikely to basically impossible yeah right so like somebody that has a llc is very unlikely to pull up a apex heavy laser cannon yeah right not gonna happen it's gonna be rare as hell for them to find a medium laser cannon at that you know for that like you're talking about like energy consumption if their power plant can handle it they're like the electronics bolt system. another v engine on there and call it good <laughs> yeah right like do the cataphract solution yep um so yeah, it's it's good. I think it's good here to have that kind of yeah. some some it's rails just, it's on just, it. It's just structure, right? Yeah, like having a structure to sort of standardize the process if you want to do this. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this process. I mean, like, you know, we're not here to yuck your yum. If this is your thing, do it. Uh, I, yeah. I it's just it's just a way that you know you can have a like part of the part of the uh, the draw to these hobbies is like talking about them. Like we're doing that right now, right? Um, yeah, and having uh, a shared experience is only really possible across like big geographic distances if there's some standardization. So this is what this provides, right? So I can talk to you know somebody on the other side of the United States, like say Frank, right? I'd be like, oh, let's play with handheld, you know, weapon swapping, and we can do that. Uh, but there's no there's no surprises because I know 
you know, like what I'm getting into, what it generally costs. Um, and so sure. it won't be necessarily balanced. And there's probably some, I haven't really looked at this, honestly. So there's, I'm sure I can find something to generate in here if I really look hard. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, like, at least it's standard and somebody else can find it too. So, um, yeah. And yeah. like I said, it gives you kind of a common language to talk to your friends about. Like, here's exactly. some guidelines. Yeah. Here's some guidelines for you. Um, something else that, that uh, is added in here is actually the um, picking up. Uh, yeah, here we go. Battlefield pickups. Yep. And this is actually looked to me a little bit more, a little bit more fun to think about. Sure. Um, this is a scavenger. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the reason why gears have hands in the lore is because it can rapidly refit weapons. Right. Like they're manipulators. You just pick up the gun and now you have that gun. Um, so the idea of one model picking up another model's weapons off a wreckage is actually kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has a little chart, like roll a dice on a one, you know, on a one it's, it's busted, right? On a two through six, you can pick it up. Yep. Um, so just kind of a fun little, uh, little add on to that. Um, but then also, you know, some callbacks to the same charge previously where it's like, yeah. Do it in a way that's sane, right? Like a Lynx should not be able to pick up a heavy auto cannon. The heavy auto cannon is bigger than the Lynx. Right. And I mean, this is the, I think this is really nice, actually. Um, when Scavenger was still a thing, it definitely uh, created a minor consideration in gameplay, right? Yeah. You're like, do I want to push this HMG next to this bandit who can potentially grab it off my dead body? I mean, I'm going to do it anyway because I need to kill something. But now that yeah. I'm taking a bad face to face, I go down. Ooh, that was a mistake. Maybe I don't know. Right. So, so I, right. Think, I think I think it's fun. Uh, and again, it's an optional rule, so you don't have to do it if you don't want to. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of fun optional rules in here. Um, so now we get to the things that are slightly less optional. In a way, right? So these are alpha and beta rules. Um, so they are they are optional for the time being, but they are things that could get added to the game in the future. Um, and these are some new rules that uh, that are being tested for Blitz. So the first one is basically um, I'm going into a bit about the talk of like what's the difference between a rifle and a sniper rifle. And mechanically, there is no difference. But if you look at the miniatures, some models with rifles have scopes on them, and some of them don't. And like, why? What is that? Why would that exist? Right? Um, and you know, the example here is like a Street Viper has a rifle. That's just because like that's one of the cheapest weapons to produce right give it to the give it to the cheap uh civilian class gear where you've got things like cheetah and sniper rifle you know cheetah and black cat that have sniper rifles that are very much a sniper rifle um so the new trait is precise plus and this is basically um an upgraded version of precise so i put together a little graphic to kind of explain the way it works to try to make life easier but basically, where it's green here, you get plus one result, right? Plus one yes. to, your, to your final dice roll. So precise gives you plus one in optimal range. Precise plus gives you plus one in optimal range to your maximum range. Where advanced gives you plus one at all times. Yep. So there, there is a suboptimal range that precise and precise plus do not get the bonus at. Yep. Um, which, again, considering it's for, like, rifles and sniper rifles, it, you know, it makes sense, right? Like, the... You ever played like Counter Strike and you're in sniper mode and the guy just shovels you, right? 
<laughs> you're done. So um, it's yeah. So it's a way to to, to further differentiate the the classes of rifles, and then also opens up the opportunity to add new upgrades to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would come with a default upgrade, which is to add precise or to upgrade precise to precise plus on any model's um, rifle, pistol, or auto cannon. And I like that it's a really narrow range band of weapons, right? So this can't be used for something that comes with a precise rotary cannon, right? Like, you don't, if you have precise added on from an additional source, this isn't going to improve that. It's only going to be for those three weapon classes. However, veterans, um, the duelist precise trait has been moved down to a veteran trait. And veterans can either add precise to any one weapon or upgrade a weapon's precise trait to precise plus, um, just like the standard upgrade. So that would theoretically let you upgrade two different weapons from precise to precise plus, um, one to the veteran upgrade, one to the standard upgrade. But the veteran upgrade, none of them are restricted by weapon class, mm-hmm. which is important. So that that's is a kind cool of looking Espeon too. Yeah, the Espeon rifle does look really rad. Yeah, Espeons in general look rad. They do. I'm a little sad I gave my Espeons away, but also not <laughs> too sad. You'll be fine. You have all of Terrano. You have all of the invaders. I have all of the benevolent overlords. There you go. Um, Okay, so then this would trickle down to uh, the North upgrade for Hammers of the North. It would train, and so instead of uh, giving it, giving snub cannons precise, it give them precise plus, mm-hmm. which is really necessary when you have a three inch or three to three to nine inch uh, off yeah. range. Yeah. Um, but then the South uh, would also pick this up for uh, their bazookas. Yeah, that makes bazookas actually really interesting, right? Because you basically it's... lose a die after you you leave optimal range, but then you basically just like roll a six on that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely makes me look at bazookas differently in the south, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is good. Yeah, you know, I think bazookas need need a bit of attention across the game, but the south doesn't have the sub cannons. Bazookas are a large portion of their anti armor. Um, it's basically bazookas and flamethrowers is what you're left at left with with uh, South to really look at, and so being able to take the precise plus on the bazooka is hot. Yep. Right. It's make me even consider there's a Cobra which only has a medium bazooka and a medium rocket pack. It's like doesn't have the artillery packs on the back, doesn't have the mortar, mm. but like I don't know, precise plus focused medium bazooka. Seems pretty good. Yeah. Pull off some stuff. So those are pretty pretty fun upgrades. The other uh, cool changes we have in here are some updates to drones. Drones originally, I guess in the 3.0 rules, it was an upgrade for a model, and that model would then transport it, but it didn't really make sense, right? Like there's no like drone bay on a gear. Even the older gears that used to transport them, they could usually only transport recon drones Yeah. because recon drones were made to be attached to like the, the thigh or the, uh, the calf. Um, so this says drones in drones in combat groups of special deployment get to use their special deployment and the drone gets to also. So your airdrop groups can airdrop with an air with a drone. 
Yeah, basically, yeah. I guess Rooster says you just basically tie a parachute and kick it out of the plane. Yeah, exactly. It's fine, right? Or in the case of the hunter killer, it doesn't even need it to begin with. It has a propeller. Yep. Um, and then also there was an issue with drones and veteran forces. Yeah. Where because drones were conscript, you couldn't take them in veteran forces. But why would a veteran force not use a bomb drone if it needs a bomb drone? Right? Like, sorry, we're we're too experienced to use the gear that requires extra training. Yep. <laughs> um, so that kind of solved that problem. Uh, they also brought the rule over from uh, heavy gear bullets tournament system of veteran combat groups. Yep. Where you can upgrade an entire combat group for the veteran trade for six TV. Um, it was five in HGBTS. I think six is still. It's fine. Fall, totally reasonable. It's basically two TV, two TV discount. Yeah, at minimum. Yep. Right. If you have a five model combat group, you're saving four points. Yep. Um, it's you know it's all economy of scale at that point. Which is kind of cool. It also makes um, veteran forces more viable. Sure. Because you're going to save some points on your on your veterans. So yeah, buy three, get the rest free. Cool. All right. Then we dig into leagues. Um, there's a league. Yeah, yeah, there's leagues. So this is kind of a, a quick overview section. If you've never run a miniatures uh, game league before, here's some tips on how to do it. Right, like things you have to think about, which is like how often you're gonna play the game, is how many points you're gonna play, um, and then like, is there any cool narrative event or narrative things that connect one game to the next, like character advancement, right? Mm. Make your characters more cooler. Um, I think some of the really fun things in here, though, is that he brings in uh, some additional. Uh, and actually, I think Nick worked a lot on this particular mm. section. Um, brings in some additional objectives. And I've been liking these objectives so far. So um, I think it's on that next page there. We have oh, two more pages, one more. There we go. All right. So, yep. Um, so Annihilation is kind of a bonus point, which is destroying at least half of your opponent's force or by number of models, get an extra point. Um, assassinate Plus, which is basically both players have to assassinate each other. Or both Basically, to... whoever gets the most commanders gets the VP. Yeah, kill the most commanders. Um, data mine is more or less like the scan markers and heavy gear blitz tournament system. Yep. The difference is in HGBTS, we had the objective roll a static five, mm -hmm. where this, the objective rolls with an electronic warfare skill of five up. Yeah, which is different because we, we roll the five as opposed to having a skill of five. Yeah, and I'm not sure what I, I wanted to compare the math between this being an opposed roll, uh -huh. um, with with two dice being rolled and an EW five up versus a static five. Because mm -hmm. um, my my only concern, I think the reason why we chose a static five is to make it more difficult for like solo bikes to run in there. Yeah, because if the objective rolls potato, then a, you know your three point bike throws itself under the bus and data scans the target. Um, but it's fine. It's I mean, something. I'm fine with that. What? I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Um, but we can we you know we can think about it but either way. So it's something brought over from HGBTS. Um, is a league system for more people to take a look at. Mm -hmm. uh, escort duties, which is um kind of similar to the protect the camels that we talked about before. Yep. Um, let's see here. Okay, but yeah, espionage, which is. This one I actually kind of like, though. This is a tougher scan marker. Right. 
right? So you've EW got like skill standing, three. Yeah, exactly. It has an EW skill three and it has ECCM. Um, so it's going to have, you know, three dice on three up, mm-hmm. which is a lot more difficult to hack. So That's I kind very of, strong. yeah, and I kind of like differentiating between the two. Oh, and it can be haywired though, right? Mm-hmm. So haywire will reduce that dice roll. Um, yeah, by one, one, one D6. Yeah. So it's kind of the difference between um, trying to scan, you're trying to interrupt communications from a, a tower versus yep. just trying to designate a building. Um, hold the line works. I think we have a mission that's like this, which is basically borrowed from Infinity Frontline, mm-hmm. which is uh, three strips and then getting points for controlling more. Yeah, it's just more, but in Infinity, it's like near, middle, far. You get more points for the far and yeah. the least points for the near. So it is it encourages you to push forward. This also does, but everything all the all the zones are equal. Yeah, exactly. I think there's some way you can modify that to to Yeah, I mean it's 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 fine. Yeah. Um incursion is controlling the enemy deployment zone, which is good luck. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's <laughs> that's tough. For for an extra point. I mean uh, this it. this feels very StarCraft to you base trade. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, own it is basically uh, quadrant control, right? Set up, divide the uh, the no man's land into four sections. Whoever controls more of them at the end of the game round mm-hmm. scores a point. Um, then we have supply raid, which is basically the supply like supply drop mission, yep. except they all start on the table. Yeah. Uh, and then two towers blow up each other's outposts. Yeah. I kind of is... want to get a couple outposts to play this. I mean, uh, we, we you know this is something we developed too, right? This is uh... yeah. With the, uh, except I think they did it with, I can't remember what the scoring is on there. This is one VP for deploying, for destroying yeah. the opponent's tower, mm-hmm. where we were doing like a scaling number of victory points. Yeah, yeah, it's a little different, but same same general idea. Yeah. Um. All right, and now we get into the new models. So this is more back into the the alpha beta or additional expanding of the game rules. Um. And basically, like, Caprice is a whole different faction now. Well, I don't know if it's a whole different faction, but it does have more options. Um, it's, I mean, it has a lot more options. It is totally different. Like, I guess to me, it's totally different. Um, it has new units that don't have, that don't have a stable. So sure. you have to worry about let them have it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it fills a lot of point gaps that they had in their list previously. That's, I think, the biggest thing, right? Like, having this ability to have a five-point model that isn't an infantry is pretty good. I'm going to get some water right there. <laughs> yep, sounds good. So, yeah, I mean, like, so let's look at the F-32 Maru first. Um, this is, I think, the cheapest of the new units. Um, reasonably fast at, at walk seven. You know, it's it's a lightly armored gear uh, uh, at five and three three hull structure, one action, uh, gunnery piloting, and EW 446. Um, yeah, it's kind of a light trooper gear. Yeah. So it's exactly light trooper gear. But so it reminds me a bit of the Asp, but it's mm-hmm. really fast with walks uh walk seven. Well what's interesting is that it has a light SMG with uh anti infantry. So yeah. this is actually really important, I think. Uh and it's probably um pretty subtle in the sense that right like you, you, you get like a north a north gear where you can get HMGs and stuff. 
but this its primary weapon, because it only has one action, uh, is both anti-gear and anti-infantry, which is pretty helpful. Yeah, it's it's anti-gear and well anti-light gear, anti-infantry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to roll that what three additional dice against infantry, right? Two mm-hmm. burst plus one for AI. Um, potentially another dice if you let them have it. So you're going to roll six dice. Yeah, you will obliterate infantry with this model, for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, Grizzly kind of chimes in about the aesthetic. And it's interesting, this is actually the original aesthetic for Capri's. Um, the spider gears were added later. These are their their original gears from back in the day. So these are a bit more adding some throwback units. Uh, also, I think lore-wise... These units are made for urban combat, which is why they're they're gears, because in this universe they have established that bipedal walkers are the supreme you know urban combat machines. Sure. Um, where the where the, the four legged caprice walkers are actually made for the uh the mountain terrain. Uh canyon specifically, but yes. Canyon, yeah. Um I mean so. like I, I I'm with I'm with Grizzly Troll here. Like I I prefer the look of the the crab walkers. Sure. Um, and you can still play them. They're they're still part of the game. Yeah. These are just additional units that have been added into the faction. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like you'll see this later as we talk about our lists that we came up with. But uh, I mean, they're they're pretty full of non caprice models. I yeah. I mean, I I was I mean I was really going for the route of like I want to take the most advantage of of all of the stuff that's available to them. Mm-hmm. And so like it, it, it's like playing to me Caprice especially with their sublist rules playing just pure Caprice and Caprice is like playing pure new coal. Right? Yeah. Like so many of their sublists give you so much access to additional units. Yeah. Um that locking yourself into a very narrow set of units. It's also very hard to build in Caprice with just the original crab walkers. Adding yeah. the new stuff really adds a lot of a lot of uh room. Yeah. The uh, so the funny profile on here is that light snub cannon. Yes. <laughs> I mean I I, I kinda wanna take one just because it's hilarious. I haven't really been able to fit it into a list yet. It's 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 been thinking about it though. Well, it's uh, it gives it a what is it an AP a damage eight AP two gun, mm-hmm. right? With only range you know three to nine, people are getting people. It's going to slip by. Um, it's actually it's medium pistol. There is pretty brutal because yeah. that's a twelve inch range, twelve inch optimal range precise gun. Yep. So I don't know. I think I think all the profiles are pretty funny. Um, the rifle is nice because it's precise from zero inches all the way out to light rifle range, which is pretty neat. But yeah, the the regular Maru is kind of like a um, kind of like an asp. It's lower armor, but it's faster and doesn't have uh, conscript. Um, so the F fifty five Zikru is kind of like a trooper gear, mm-hmm. right? Move six, armor six, three three, one action, four four, five up for its stats. Um, has a light auto cannon, a medium pistol again, a demo medium uh, combat weapon, a light spike gun, um, hand grenade, and a medium the medium anti personnel grenade launcher. Uh, the APGLs are more relevant, I think, in these units. Um, that damage adds up quick. 
Oh, they also have hands climbing and uh, Sensors 24. Yeah, but Sensors so, 24 is interesting. They don't really have any weapons that need that, so they're <clears> sort of there to help FO, I guess. Yeah, they're yeah, you're right, because they don't have any indirect weapons themselves. Um, not like you can throw a light hand grenade that far. Yeah. I actually really like their the jammer upgrade. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat and sneaks by. It's two points, which is steep for an upgrade, but it comes with everything, right? It's EW4 up, it's ECM and ECCM and sensors 36. Um, this makes an interesting, you know, an interesting way to add some ECM hacking to your list. Yeah, you'll be hacking as opposed to uh, putting a BCM protect probably with these guys. I think so. I mean, you're paying points for that EW4 up and the ECCM and the yeah. sensors. Mm-hmm. You might as well use all of it. The ECCM actually also makes them a pretty effective leader, mm-hmm. right? Because that puts them to three dice on fours to issue orders. Yeah. I would yeah, probably take that. that over the command upgrade because I'm, I'm happy to roll three dice on fours. Yeah, and you know we rarely stay in comms range anyhow. Yeah, you could make this a duelist and give it ECM+. plus. I don't know if I would spend the points on that, but you could. Well, in, in um, Liberati, you get one... Duelist per combat group. I mean, it's still three points to do that, right? And three points is a is an infantry That's team, true. or or That's a true. Uh, a um, clearance team. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, then what do we have next? I think next we have the bit. There we are, the Saru. This guy is crazy. <clears throat> like I. Yeah, I mean the Saru Quasar, I think is the is the is the place to look. So Railgun. I mean, everybody's got a pistol. I mean, you have a you have a heavy combat weapon. Sure, probably not going to use it. Uh, linked light anti tank missiles, another medium hand grenade, uh, medium anti personal grenade launchers, brawl two react plus. Yeah, so it's basically a um, most people's fire support gear. Yeah. With climbing brawl two, it's so um, cheap. And a heavy combat weapon. Yeah. So my 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 hot take is like, it's brawl and and heavy close combat weapons should probably be an upgrade. Kind of the way it is for most other factions. Yeah, and it is uh, a mech size revolver. Like this is so good. Yeah, it does. It does everything. It does everything. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like the quasar could be another point up. Probably. Um, yeah, I would happily pay fifteen points for that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, that's, be... that's just so brutal because you you can either focus the railgun or resp- or shoot the railgun and respond to an afford observe with the light anti <clears throat> missile because that's what like two dice base goes up to three for link, then plus two more for uh, afford observe and guided, and you go down one for indirect. That's four yep. dice. Well, and the railguns react. And the railguns react exactly. So if I want to shoot you with anything that's worth shooting at this thing. You're just gonna core it with a railgun. Yeah. In the process. Brutal. It is it it is I think it's probably the best fire sport gear of its class in the game. Absolutely, um, especially at the cost. Yeah. Like I said, it could easily go up one, even two points on the quasar. Um and be fine. Or it could go up one point in on the quasar and lose the melee bonuses, and it would still be great. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, like uh annoying pyromanian saying. Stack a second, uh, um, let them have it on there or focus. You get to six yeah. dice. Yep, that's what you did. Disgusting, brutal. Yeah, so Saru are monstrous. 
The yep. model looks really cool. I like it quite a bit. Um, and then the Rabu, this is a this one is kind of a wild card unit, right? So the other the other units kind of felt like they had um analogous units in the Terra Nova factions. Mm-hmm. The Rabu feels a bit more unique. Um yeah. So it's it's walk ground eight inches. So it's that means it's walk around nine inches on a road. Sure, yeah. Right. I mean, roads are relevant. Your table roads has lots relevant. of roads. That's true. My table eight inches of move is huge. Yeah. So sixteen to eighteen inches move, um, medium auto cannon or heavy submachine gun. Heavy submachine gun is, I think, where it's at. Yeah, or the heavy rifle. The heavy rifle is cute, but... I mean, but you don't need a heavy rifle when you have a rail gun. Yeah, right? Also true. Yeah. Um, the uh, Yeah, so uh, there's the medium auto cannon, the medium pistol, the medium close combat weapon, light hand grenade, medium anti-personal grenade launcher. So it's basically the Zikru, but faster. It, stop, it swaps climbing for stable and brawl one. I'm fine with that. Oh, and it's piloting three up, so it's pretty hard to hit. So yeah. at least a little bit harder to hit. Not agile. Yeah. But yeah, I really like that heavy submachine gun option. Yeah, I agree. Very strong. Damage seven is a big deal. Um, so yeah, one one quick thing. Uh so like you were saying, right? Like all these all these I guess egg mechs, for lack of a better term, are supposed to be like one inch tall, right? They're supposed to be very small. Um, but like the Saru, for example, is quite large. Um, and that was a decision made to sort of differentiate the models in the model line, which I think is actually fine. Um, yeah, I mean, so again, these all reference like very old RPG unit rules. And like you said, translated to mod, they'd all be this, they'd all be tiny. Yeah. So kind of making them bigger, more differentiated, I think is worthwhile. I don't know. I think they look pretty neat. Like, even if they're not the same Spider Walker aesthetic. As yeah, the they're pretty of- different. Um, they're 100% a different design language from a different time period. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. It's, it, it, yeah, totally. I, I think it's fine. They, 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 I, they I like. fit a different, uh, I mean, when you're in this hobby, the miniature aesthetic is a big part of it for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to discount the importance of that. Um, looking at it from a gaming perspective, these do fill out uh, missing um, capability slots in Caprice. I think that's very sure. positive. Uh, but if you are not into this aesthetic, I don't think anybody would complain if you like modified an echo. Sure, right. If you made some similar, yeah, yeah. I mean, and they are pretty different, right? They have they're 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 more like bipedal gears with hands mm-hmm. than the uh, the the more you know insect like walkers. Yep. All right. But speaking speaking like, of walkers, let's talk about, oh, let's yeah, talk about the knob. So, holy hell, the knob is is terrifying to me. Um, I am really excited about this guy. <laughs> okay. So the stock one is 16 points, which is kind of on the high side for a fire support. It is. Gear, it right? is. Um, it's uh, strike and fire support rolls, walk six, armor eight, hull structure five three. 
So it's tough, mm-hmm. right? Um, one action, four up gunnery, four up piloting, five up electronic warfare has a react light submachine gun, which is a little bit different because a lot of the other gears have react, um, so react machine guns, which are anti-infantry. This is not an anti-infantry react weapon. Um, then it has a light field gun, uh, than the typical spike guns that you'd expect. Um, it mistakenly says hands here that needs to get rotted out. It is not meant to have hands. Yep. Um, a climber and stable, which are both typical things you find in Caprice mounts. Uh, but the big thing is the sensors react plus CBS. Yep. So CBS doesn't require sensor lock. It just requires that the attack originated in sensor range. Mm-hmm. So you have a 36 inch bubble of sad. Yeah. 36 inch bubble of, if you declare an indirect attack, I will shoot you with the field gun without suffering the indirect penalty to shooting you. Right. Seems um, good. So the field gun only has a 12 to 24 inch optimal range. So you could, but still it. Sure. Right. You're still going to, you're still going to shoot that thing. Yeah. I mean, I'll just move 12 inches on my turn, park it, and call it good. Yep. Um, and then there's the option for the barrage, which swaps the medium field gun for linked uh, medium artillery rockets, but it loses the CBS. Big deal. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think the, the big advantage for the barrage is the ability to get 2d6 on secondaries for indirect yes. attacks. Agreed. That's pretty much why you take it. But I think I would still probably take the the regular knob every every time. Probably, the barrage looks fun though. It does look really cool. I like yeah. the big the big rockets on the back. Mm-hmm. And there's uh-huh. the uh, Baalim. Yeah, so this is a heavy, chunky bipedial fire support uh, Strider. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big ass model. I've seen pictures of it next to other models. It's huge. Yep. But it's pretty reasonable at twenty four points. You get a walk seven, so it's fast. It's still pretty fast, yeah, for such a yeah. big model. Um, armor 10, 4-4, four, four, three action, four up gunnery, five up piloting, five up electronic warfare. So kind of typical heavy strider uh, gears. It either has two heavy artillery rockets or two heavy airburst missiles. That's the ticket. Well, I think there's argument for both. So HABMs are really are are very very unique, but Caprice is pretty light on target designators, right? You really I you feel can like you import really them to... so easily though. Yeah, you have to you have to import them as secondaries, um, which we can talk about a bit. Uh, but yeah, also yeah, you do have to you have to import TDs as secondaries, or you're stuck just using the Jammer Bashan, mm-hmm. I think, or just the regular Bashan. Um, but you know, if you fill out your primary links with either allied apes, right? Um, or not allied apes, but the uh, was the Caprice security you can get apes in a primary group, or you can take a group of flails, um, or there's another unit we'll talk about in a minute, which is the Haru, right? There are cheaper ways to fill out your primary roles now in Caprice that they didn't have before, which then opens up second, you know, those secondary role uh, imports which I think was a lot more difficult to do previously. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reason why I like the heavy artillery rocket is because they're react HARs. And so that can, 
like focusing a damage nine weapon on someone in react can really uh catch them off guard yep so uh, that's that's where i see that the har's at it's, the har's really leverage that third action where the habn doesn't yeah and again all this stuff might change too so but yeah. I mean, re- really, really, I think the the trick is like you want the HAR or the HABM. That's really the the big distinction. Yep. Um, then we have a little uh, announcement. Yeah, there's Caprice, new infantry sculpts for Caprice and Eden coming. So that's cool that we're seeing mm-hmm. some in, in Invader Universal infantry sculpts. Yeah. Also, kudos to Kayuna who is just killing it with all these models that he's making. Yep. Um. And then we get, I think it's the, uh, is it the Haru next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, this is my dream unit, <laughs> basically. Okay, so the basic Haru off the bat is kind of like a weaker version of a Wallaby, right? Yeah. It's it's the Northern Wallaby without off-road. It's fine. It's four points. Yeah. It's fine. Like... It, it offers a tool, and it's available to uh, Caprice, CEF, Utopia, and Eden, right? So all of the off-worlders. Yep. It offers a tool that didn't exist before. Um, it's a cheaper source of bikes. Neat. But the AZAT... John, why don't you break down the AZAT? Oh, my <laughs> it's, God. It's, it's, so it, it's expensive. It's three points, right? So it puts it up to seven total. Yep. But it gives you plus one arm. It improves your gunnery and piloting by one to three up. It already yep. had like amazing gun profiles, right? So light infantry grenade launchers was amazing. Yep. But now you're attacking like it's not replacing, it's adding, just straight up adding uh medium infantry lasers, burst two, right? So that means you have an advanced and burst two, so you're rolling a ton of dice and you're adding one to that. And then, you know, you have a melee weapon now that's even stronger. You, you go from light infantry combat weapon to medium infantry combat weapon AP one. You also add light anti-vehicle missiles for some reason, and you add VET. Why not? Right? So literally, this Haru does all of the things. Um, yeah. It doesn't... It's a brutal universe. Yeah, it doesn't, like, you know, crack heavy armor. You're not going to use this to fight, like a, like, a mammoth or something. But this will shred infantry. It will destroy light gears. And it has, it has the movement to hunt all these things down. Right? So this is a, a incredibly powerful... Uh, like, you know, skirmisher line that just moves around the table, eats things. Like anything that's vulnerable to light fire is just gonna die to this, which yeah. is crazy good. It's a nasty little unit. Yeah. Um, I actually so one thing I also noticed here is that the team upgrade, yeah, for the Haru, yeah, um, is four two instead of three three. Exactly. Yeah, which is big not significant. It makes that it makes that team upgrade a lot more appealing. Yeah. It is expensive, like, I, right? In comparison to like a Grell Hoverbike team, right? You are paying a little bit more, but I think it's 100% worth. Like this these, like this is such a toolbox unit. Uh Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I'll be using this in all of my invader factions for sure. Oh, that vet reroll is nice. Yeah. The AVM is nice. The medium infantry laser will just like you said just red infantry. Yeah, your ferret is just dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I so that's the thing. I don't know if it's underpriced with the change to cavalry. Yeah. Right. Because like one mortar still deletes this thing. Yeah. No problem. Um, and you're talking about more 
you know, more points than a, a regular trooper gear, right? Yeah. It's it's very good. Um, What's crazy is GP plus. Yeah, that's so kind of gnarly. Spam it. It's also recon, which is something that uh, Caprice had a hard time filling. Sure. Before, um, it's not recon plus. I mean, you can regular... you can put this in. What is it? You can put, you can put this in a, a, a CEF formation with LHTs. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Are you telling me like that's something I can do, or are you telling me like that's something you will do? That's something that you'll see on the table soon. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it's really good. I do hope that actually the 4-2 yeah. team upgrade makes its way to the other bikes. Because right now, with how vulnerable bikes are, mm-hmm. I don't feel like going, you know, adding one to your first to your hull and structure saves them. Like a, a, a critical it bike. It does is, help a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's surprising how much it helps. Gross, really cool. Um, then we get into some, some uh, you know the the mighty North gets to add some new units. Um, so these units, to preface this, these weren't added to fill any gaps in the army because the army has no gaps. Um, north and South it's don't have no notes. No notes, perfect. Um, but really, these are mostly added to supplement the role playing game. Um, then if you're going to add them to the role-playing game, you might as well add them to plants, right? So that gives them a justification for the model. Um, the rock beetle here is the, the first one here, which I love the design for. It's weird. It's like an asymmetrical tail off of one side of a, of a helicopter, um, which is very, to me, very reminiscent of like the 80s sci-fi or 90s sci-fi art that it's based on. Um, but this gives North a VTOL transport of two squads which is is something uh north doesn't you know have remarkable infantry it's not like they have you know their new coal with access to really cool squads um but maybe with some new universal infantry which we might talk about in a minute that could be cool um or really just load it up with teams and drop it off somewhere it's not that many points at 13 um it's remarkably tough though with armor eight uh and was an armor eight piloting four up and agile. So it's a lot like the scorpion where it's just a real tough thing to hit. Um, and then five, three hull and structure makes it uh pretty damn tough. Um, has this two actions with uh, two medium machine guns on left and right. I'm a little surprised they're not auto, but you're basically going to spend those actions on the machine guns to react, or you're going to spend it on the two light rocket packs. I mean, you're not really taking it for the, uh, for the weapons, but it's a cool model. I could see taking this in certain missions specifically. Wanting to get my to put some infantry in the midfield and just like camp on an objective. You're muted, John. It's a fun variant on the Titan. Yeah, exactly. It's cheaper than the Titan. It doesn't carry the the anti-tank missiles of the Titan. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still tough as nails. And so I could see this maybe getting uh getting some play. Um, especially with the uh, Achilles exoskeletons, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have the Murdoch and the Seeker, which these are just goofy ass units from the from the the early days of the game uh, that I'm glad they finally made 3D models for. Um, the fact that the the heavy infantry grenade launcher is amazing. Yeah, right. Just like mounted on top, right in the front center with yep. AI. 
Yeah. Um, Super so good. The, the Murdoch is basically the Murdoch is a is a super command platform, while the Seeker is a super EW platform. Um, this is sort of the answer to the H23A, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, they're both very optimized for those jobs, right? So, like the Murdoch is a lot EW three up with an extra skill point and ECCM, yeah, um, and sat up, right? The the sensors are kind of irrelevant on this one, but it has them. Um, and comms, so it's really just gonna sit there and dish out orders, right? It's gonna roll three dice on twos to issue orders. Um, but it's pretty damn squishy. This I is don't know if they're universal. Are they universal? No, these are north. Yeah. So yeah, the the rock beetle, the Murdoch, and the seeker, these are all north units. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah, it's a uh, it's a very good commander, but like I said, it's it's it. Is not good at fighting. It's just no. going to get shot and killed. Yeah. Um, and so similar to the Seeker, the Seeker is basically like a slow wild ferret. Um, but it has ECM plus. I mean, slow of being rate. relative, but sure. Yeah, it moves seven instead of nine. It doesn't have piloting three up as four up. Um, sure. But it's a really good hacker. You know, it's got the uh, the the ECM plus the thirty six and three sensors and a three W a three up EW with stealth. Mm-hmm. So it's a very good hacking tool. Um, but as soon as anything walks around it that's competent at fighting, it'll you know <laughs> it'll it'll scream and run away. Yeah, sadly you can't use this in your southern tank platoons, but there's also well, the behemoth. You might there are some south sub lists that get access to north units. Um, yeah, so the behemoth behemoth is just straight up the same rules as the Barnaby, mm-hmm. um, but it's the behemoth, which is the northern version of it. Which this was designed probably over a year ago now. Um, my member of the Discord who started working on it, and I was like, You should submit this to Rob because he should release this model mm-hmm. so that I can buy one. That <laughs> was that was the thought process. Here it is. It's a transport unit. This is universal because its rules are identical to the uh, the Barnaby, so it's not really adding anything yeah. that didn't exist. But I think Barnabies are a little bit underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it lets you get you know, three of them in an SK group, right? Um, but uh, you know they they move pretty quick with a ground movement seven, um, so you can move seven inches, disembark, and then move your unit's movement to get quite a bit of range out of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're cheap. They're only seven points. They repair. They have supply. Might have to find some way to, to leverage one on the list soon. Yeah. All right. Then we get down to the Mammo, which is some new terrain coming out, which this is, again, based off of old uh, artwork, which is like this modular, basically like a modular bunker system. Um. So when people on Terra Nova need a, a new military base set up, they just drop like a bunch of these, basically a bunch of these shipping containers, massive shipping containers. Modular advanced maintenance outpost. Yep. Um, so yeah, they get dropped in by rock beetles, uh, and then they you know they winch them together, uh, weld it shut, and now you have a big ass bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of a cool design. I like that it. It can grow on both the X and Y axis. Yeah. 
right? So it'd be really fun to see this come out as a modular kit that you can kind of build and expand. And it's huge. You know, you can see that 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 circuit that cylinder with the two on top, that's like the, the silhouette of a cobra. So pretty big terrain. This is universal, I believe. I don't believe this is like any faction of the game can take it universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these modules are available to all factions. Boom. Uh, and they count as medium terrain when you drop them. So that's also relevant, I think, for our uh, terrain rules. Yes, that's very important, actually. But yeah, they're pretty cheap. I think fortifications aren't used all the time in Infinity or Infinity Heavier. But yep. I mean, this will make me this will make me think about it more. Yeah, I'll consider it at the very least. Mm-hmm. All right, now we get on to John's favorite new thing, which are these trooper automatons from Utopia. <laughs> yep. So I really like the stats of these. I like that they basically don't cripple. Right. Um, so they're infantry, but they're hull structure. I mean, you can, you can cripple the squad, but I mean, at that point, it's dead. So. Yeah, the squad get the squad is five one instead of six zero. Mm-hmm. Like who? Oh no! Oh no! Uh, yeah. But they are conscript and vulnerable to haywire. Yep. Which is relevant, but I don't think that's something you're in a haywire very often, anyways. I mean, you could, but then you're like, that's a that's a big expenditure of an action. So, I don't know if you yeah. would. Yeah. Exactly. To do one point of damage to yeah. some trooper. Yeah, maybe. But weapon-wise, they're basically like regular infantry squads. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the regular squad with the medium infantry, you know, medium infantry weapons, light infantry grenade launcher, light infantry combat weapon, light infantry rifle. Um, then they have the anti-vehicle missile version, the medium um, infantry mortar version, the medium infantry rifle version, the heavy infantry support. But the big one is that clearance team. That one's awesome. A bomb that's precise AP2 and anti-infantry. Damage 8. So gross. So it's basically the uh, in, the invader version of a uh, demo uh, drone. Yeah, and this thing, uh, I had two of them. I two shot uh, ne- Nemesis Jaguar as a secondary target. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, so we did learn that yeah, precise is only going to be models in base contact because its yep. optimal range is zero inches. But still, the AI on a bomb means you're rolling a bajillion dice against infantry. Yep. Um, against non-infantry, you're still rolling you know, your two base dice, plus let them have it, um, plus precise on your main target. So potential yep. to do a ton of damage for how And it doesn't it. count towards objectives either, right? So if, if I blow it up, you don't get points for that. Yeah, so that was something that was uh, added to the FAQ a little bit later, mm-hmm. is blowing up your own units doesn't can basically can't help you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really fun, actually. You just pack them all into Anakites and then hop them out and blow stuff up. Yep, I'm definitely going to remember to mortar your Anakites. Yes, uh, that is the correct <laughs> answer. Because the, the especially with heavy infantry mortars, it'll hit all the guys inside. Yes. Correct. need to do that more. Yes. But, um, and again, also really cool new sculpts. These kind of cyborg Ray troops. to Kayuna for doing awesome work. Yeah. I even think, like, what I really like is the mortar one. If you scroll down a little bit, he's got, like, the mortar just attached to his back. And yep. He's kneeling. It's very cool. And then I think that's a loader behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's awesome. 
All right, and then finally, we have the new Terra Nova Universal Infantry, which these are the Achilles exoskeleton uh, developed by Paxton and sold to anybody with a wallet. Um, so <laughs> That's why the Universal. Yep, exactly. Um, I like it because the, the design, I feel like, fits in in basically any faction. Yeah. Right, they look a bit like hunters, a bit like warriors. Yeah. They're like a little mini gear. Yeah, exactly. So I also like the idea that they would design their human-sized power armor to look the same as a gear. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so these are basically like regular universal infantry, except they have um, movement five. Mm -hmm. So they're two inches faster. Um, That's so actually really a big deal. Yeah, like moving 10 inches on infantry is huge when they top speed. Um, they have heavy infantry weapons, so all of their infantry weapons basically go up a uh, go up a level, right? Yeah, they go up a class, yeah. So um, on the basic troopers, i try to pull it up here. On the basic troopers, their heavy infantry weapon is going to give them a uh, damage 5 burst 1 AI weapon. So I, they basically shoot a, 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 a sadder HMG, but still very good. Yep. Um, a medium infantry nade launcher. Mm -hmm. So that's damage six with AP one. Um, the uh, medium infantry combat weapon and then the medium infantry rifle. Which to me is a really big deal, because that means the basic Achilles team is as effective as a sniper team in other factions. Yeah. Um, then they have the option to take the anti-vehicle missile. So you downgrade the heavy infantry weapons to medium infantry weapons, lose the grenade launcher, but pick up the medium AV, the medium anti-vehicle missile. Um, I'll probably skip that one, but I, the assault team is something I'll definitely look at. Yeah, that's basically a growl. Basically a growl. Yep, you have the medium infantry weapon and the heavy infantry supports with burst two. Yep. Um, they get a recon team with four up EW and target designator, which is also pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And then a uh, command team with comms, um, which you may or may not take. Uh, they get the paratrooper mountaineering and frogman upgrades that regular universal infantry get, uh, which put them up to piloting three up. Uh, the spec ops roll and then adds on either airdrop climber or sub. Mm -hmm. I think those are pretty rad. Mm -hmm. And then their squads. Uh, put them up to 4-2 also instead of 3-3. Three, three. So it's, again, that 4-2 versus 3-3 three, three is the big enough difference to make me really consider squads. Yeah. Agreed. Instead of just teams. Especially because uh, they're infantry, not cavalry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, a squad of the uh, the assault team, oh, sorry, the assault, assault team upgraded to a squad with paratroopers. Now we're talking about like a piloting three up, light basically light rotary cannon, air dropping. Oh, no, Grell do not have paratrooper. Yeah, Grell don't have that option. So that's huge. Yeah, yeah. That's they don't have the the three up gunnery that Grell have, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, and, but they're there in the optimal range. Yeah. Yeah, that airdrop trooper is the one I'm really looking at. Yeah, climber great. isn't bad either, though. Because climber's fine, but I mean, deployment options are so important in heavy gear, right? Because movement True. is so limited in comparison to other games. But 
a lot of factions have additional bonuses to deployment options too, right? Sure, but I mean, this so is guaranteed leverage... deployment in the midfield. You don't, yeah. There's no, there's no if and or buts. You just do it. If you're so, if you have a sublist though that lets you leverage the deployment, taking the mountaineering, sure. so you can climb sure. up on top of a building and get gunnery three up on your heavy infantry support with burst two. Mm-hmm. Like that's a lot of, that's, that's a lot, lot of awesome. Uh, a lot of awesome. Yeah, I really like the designs of these, so I'm definitely looking yep. forward to getting Too my bad I can't use them. Wah, wah, you don't play wah, any... Wah. No, that's not true. You play Black Talons, but you're just going to play Black... Like, just use Black Talon units. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just use the best infantry, best infantry in the game. <laughs> right. Um, Yeah, and I like that they have the little rotary engines on their back, too. Mm-hmm. The V engines. Yep. Um, Yeah, and also I think these were designed by Kuna as well. Yeah, because he so, is awesome. Yep, put on... They've got their metal pants on, and they're ready to go kick some butt. But yeah, so finishing off what is in the uh, in the companion book here, we've got the a couple sample forces for the new for new players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the I think for the armies that have plastics, they're based on the pl- contents of the plastic boxes. Yeah, uh, I think we actually wrote some of these. Oh, I think I I think I did. Yeah, you wrote the North one. I wrote the CEF one. Oh, there we go. I was like, it was a while since I did that. Yeah. Um, then we added there. Then the, there's the the FAQ added, which just answers a couple of small questions, which is um, when you declare evade because evade is a reaction, but it's not declared at the normal reaction window. Mm-hmm. Um, how does AP work? Is it good? And it explains why it's relevant and how it works. Yeah. Um, yes, focus works on AE and or AE and split. Uh, nothing. I think. I think we already were playing with that anyhow. Yeah. Um, how do extra rules on weapons and parentheses affect multiple firing modes? And the answer is it applies to all the firing modes. So uh, auto cannon with precise added on adds precise in both firing modes. Since you can't add precise, always use burst. Right. Um, and then, yeah, what we referenced earlier, which is you can't destroy your own units to deny the enemy victory points, but it also doesn't contribute to their victory points. So if the enemy is trying to kill a combat group and bring it below half strength and three of them are bomb drones, you blow up all three of them. Those bomb drones don't prevent the enemy from scoring it, but also don't score it for the enemy. They're going to have to kill the one action you have with regular people. Um, so you are making might... it easier because you're lowering the bar, but you're not giving it. Free. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the and a little bit of minor errata, which is like making sure that trick shot has react. Uh, the MPAs, uh, crisis responders, responders yeah. have react. The Lancers medium spike gun is react, um, and that the CEF infantry force jetpacks only apply to regular grill on foot. Yeah, you don't get jetpacks uh, on the hover bikes and that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So overall, a pretty cool book. Kind of different, you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, some new units, which are really neat in a lot of uh, interesting ways to modify gameplay and to to kind of evolve the gameplay. So I'm looking forward to, I mean, we've already played a little bit with the, uh, with the, some of the new rules. Um, I don't know. We've, we've been at this for a while, John. Should we skip the lists? Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's been, like I said, a unique book to go over at the very least. Um, I like basically everything about it. I might not use everything. I don't think that you and I are, are the kinds of people that are going to want to do the weapon swapping and battlefield pickups? 
I mean, battlefield pickups are actually interesting. I think I think that would be a fun game, a thing to try, because that sure. does change a lot of the the tactical considerations if you are thinking ahead, right? Like, do I risk pushing this hack forward? You know what I mean? Or like, sure, sure, like laser cannon forward or something. That's fair. Yeah, we'll probably yeah, sure, we could try that one. Yeah. Um, but I do think we are less likely to probably do the weapon swapping. Agreed. Um, but. I want to. I I see a lot of these uh, missions as inspiration to kind of go back over the advanced ops. Um, yeah. Maybe modify a couple. Yeah. Tack on a few interesting things. Sure. Yeah. Just you know, I want I want to see some more camels on the table. Sure. <laughs> well, right on. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we take off? Uh, no. I mean, we we came up with some caprice lists, which I can. Uh... We we can maybe uh, dump somewhere uh, as a as a discussion or something, but uh, for now I think that's it. All right, well, I'm gonna hit the button then. Do it. Well, it's been another perfectly good evening listening to late night war games. All right, so if you want to play some Infinity with some restrictions or suggestions, you can check out the Bowman Academy missions. Uh, we are here every first and third Tuesday of the month on Twitch at 8.30 p.m. Pacific. We know that's a weird time. So if you want to catch up via podcast, an audio-only format, we do that on all your favorite podcast apps. We upload everything to YouTube the following day. Um, if you want to support us, you can do so by subscribing on Twitch or uh, becoming a late-night war gamer on Patreon or supporting one of our sponsors, DreamPod 9, Mythic Ga- uh, DreamPod 9 Shift Games, Corvus Belly, Bird and Brew, and Brutal Cities. All right. Well, uh, yeah, be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes uh, and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. All of this helps us bring you the best content that we possibly can. All right. With that, stay safe out there. We'll talk to you uh, next show. Take care. See you next month. Uh, 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 won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.